Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode 10 of season 2 of the Running Technique Tips podcast, the season where we're talking all things 5K training and racing. And I now would like to welcome my co-host Lisa Biffin, who's done some 5K racing. Well, Brian, my week has been um, a roller coaster, so it's been an interesting week and I can't wait to get into it. But I have been racing and uh, it was, do you know what, it was the catalyst for my week becoming a roller coaster. Yes. Well, maybe we should just dive right into that because now that you've brought it up, I think this will be pretty interesting for the, uh, the listeners to unpick some of your challenges that you had sort of following that that race and, and what you're doing about sort of investigating and addressing those. Yeah. Well, it has been, yeah, as I said, an interesting week. So, I went and did the Masters 5K, which is pretty much where we had left off last week saying that I was going to do that after my less than ideal incident the previous week in the 5k race and I said to you last week how I was just I was just really exhausted um, and it had been quite a stressful week work has just been really really mad and out of control life stresses with the eldest daughter starting primary school and all the rest of it so I was I was going into it and on the Friday I was going to do a an easy job, but I was just so incredibly exhausted. I, I'd spoken to you as well saying that I'm so tired. You said just don't run. So I didn't run and I didn't even run on the, on the Saturday and the race was on the Sunday and I was still just feeling really tired. And you know when sometimes you sit there and think, oh, should I really do this? Should I, um, you know, should I should I not do it? But anyway, I decided to actually go and run and the run was on the early Sunday morning. Again, the temperature uh, was really warm. They, they said the temperature was going to drop, but it was about 30 degrees by the time I was actually running. Wow, that's super hot. Super, super hot. Anyway, my husband actually did it. He ended up running another PB, a 20-second PB. He ran the race before me and I thought, oh, maybe the conditions aren't that bad. Like maybe he's had a good one. Maybe I'll be able to pull something out. And yep. How did JT go? Uh, he ran 17.45 the previous oh. week. He'd done 18.05. So you still hold the PB. <laughs> <laughs> still, got, still got the record on semi-recreational people associated with the pub- yes. podcast. <laughs> oh, dear. I, do you know what, though? I don't think you're going to hold that for long. Not with me. No. With him. He's actually moving really well. And yes. I think as soon as we get out of this humidity, because he suffers, um, he actually got some stress-induced asthma. Right, from good. Yeah, yeah, just from some of the stresses that we had gone through the year before. And the humidity really plays up with his breathing. So the minute that uh, we sort of get into the cool or, or the dry heat, it really helps him. So watch out for that race in Melbourne. Yep. I think he'll be taking down your um, your PB. I, I think so. <laughs> I reckon he'll be going under 17, to be uh, honest. I think he will too. But anyway, this is about me, not about him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, now back to, um, back to you. Back to me. So anyway, uh, decided that I would be happy if I ran around 19 minutes because I don't know if you do this, but like sometimes if you search deep inside, you know that things just aren't right. And I just thought, oh, I'm feeling really tired. I don't want to push myself to the point where I become unwell. Um, I'd be really happy. Like 19 minutes would still be the quickest that I've run in a very long time. It would still be solid. I'd be really happy with it. But the first 200 metres of the run, I think I did 47 seconds for the first 200. And that felt like I was at a full out sprint 
And I remember looking at the, they had the, the clocks at the, each of the 200 meter mark. And I just thought, oh no, this is, <laughs> this is not going to be a good day. Tough day at the office. Yeah, really tough day. So anyway, I actually decided to work on a few other things instead of worrying about the time. I really wanted to focus on technique, how I was feeling and just trying to work on some of those mental cues, which I think, you know, for, for listeners out there, you're not always going to run a PB and you're not always going to have a good day. So sometimes sort of taking a different approach to the performance, you can get different things out of it. So I decided to do that. I ended up running 19.22. So, you know, it's still quicker than even the park runs I had done previously. And it's not solid time. Yeah, look, it's solid. It's not fabulous from sort of where I think that I, I could be at the moment, but, you know, still solid in those conditions. But it was just really hard work. I had sort of faded badly in that trusty old fourth kilometre that we've been having some chats about, that that's just the devil, that fourth kilometre, yeah. and uh, managed to pull it back on the last kilometre. But actually with 800 metres to go, my right calf out of nowhere just absolutely tightened up and I, I actually got old lady calf. <laughs> so... <laughs> I've I've fallen to the wayside like you did. So calf just tightened up and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not going to sprint. One of my um, training partners, she did this really you know, fantastic last final 400-meter sprint, went past me and I just thought, oh, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to do that. This calf will just ping. So calf wasn't good and then I just was really struggling with my breathing and I thought, oh, I'm just, I'll check out my heart rate data. And I know that you've been talking about it for a little while now. You've been pestering me <laughs> quite aggressively to go and get this seen because I would mention that I've seen some max heart rates at 206 and some quite alarming figures. And then Sundays was even worse. So my average heart rate was 190 and my max heart rate was the highest that I've seen at 207. Yeah, yeah. Off, the, off the charts. It was off the charts and the data itself, the heart rate, my lowest heart rate was 168, which is really high for me. Yeah, and is. I think it was at about the two-minute mark that it went from 168 to 190. So that's only like a lap and a, lap and a bit, and it's already just peaked out of control. So it was at that point that I thought – Apart from obviously, you know, the stress, because as we say, heart rate doesn't lie, you know, to be up at those levels and just the breathing that I was feeling, I was like, okay, it's time to book in and go and see a doctor. Excellent. That's good. Well, when you told me that you were going to go and get it checked out, it did make me happy because um, my anxiety levels were uh, starting to build. I thought, you know, I don't want to lose my co-host. I know, um, <laughs> I know. And I do know, I think we've all been there at a time where something's going on and if you actually just stop and reflect for a minute, you you actually know that something's happening, but sometimes you don't want to own it and you don't want to face the truth. So ignorance is bliss. And anyway, so I, I faced the music and I, I brunted up to the doctor uh, on Wednesday. And the doctor that we go to, look, he is absolutely amazing. Like sometimes people are worth, you know, the money that you pay them and he certainly is. And I showed him my – I've got actually got a card from the stent that I've had from my previous heart surgery and he straight away knew about it. Um, I mentioned my heart rate data. Uh, I actually had it there to show him, but he didn't even need to see it. And he sort of said, well, often this can be a side effect of the 
patent ductus arteriosus is the surgery that I had and that sometimes the heart can just get out of sync really and under stress it could be like stress-induced I think atrial fibrillation is the, the medical terminology I may have that a bit wrong so don't, don't quote me on it it sounds familiar but yeah neither of us are doctors so we won't, we won't stake our reputations on that <laughs> no exactly so so that's one of the things that it possibly could be uh so he booked me in to go and see a cardiologist and like all specialists it's always quite difficult to get into them so I've only got about about a week and a half I've managed to get in and I'm going to jump on and do a stress test because we did a few tests in the whilst I was at the doctor's gosh they've got some amazing technology these days he was able to do an ECG basically using his phone and like this specialized little uh, pulse app that you just put your fingers on and oh, okay. wow. it straight onto the screen and then sends the results straight off to the cardiologist. When I was doing all of my heart tests about 15 years ago and I had the surgery, it was, you know, having to get hooked up to a bit shirt off, hooked up with a million different little sticky dots over you. Yeah, and, I remember that. I've had that done as well. And there, you know, big computers up on the screen, loud beeping sounds, and it all seems a bit uh, dramatic. But uh, it's it's actually quite stress free now. Phone, finger on a pad, and uh, hit send off to the cardiologist. So I actually found that quite fascinating. Mm. Um, so just to, from a resting heart rate and from that perspective, everything is fine. But again, that matches up to the way that I'm feeling. Uh, I really feel no stresses whilst I'm just walking around or sleeping or sitting and have quite a, a low resting heart rate, sort of in the low forties. So. That's not an issue, but it's really when the body is put under stress. So I'm um, going to jump on that treadmill and get uh, probably all the sticky dots. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's become more advanced since when I did it uh, and just try and see what's um, what's happening. And, again, I'm not a doctor and I don't fully understand it, but I believe it's quite easy to you know get the heart back onto a a regular sort of pattern after this sort of surgery that I've had in the past without needing to do invasive surgery again. Yeah. So so that part of the puzzle is still unresolved. And, and you're now under doctor's orders to um, <laughs> no uh, strenuous activity, is that I right? I am under doctor's orders. So, you know, he sort of said to me, um, yeah, basically, you know, you can, you can do your exercise but nothing strenuous. And I was like, What's the definition of strenuous? <laughs> yes. I know, I know, but I think, look, deep down I know what the definition of strenuous is and that's uh, really, I guess, getting my heart rate up above my aerobic levels. So, yeah. so um, you're allowed to jog, basically. I'm allowed to jog and you know, swim and gym, but not really getting into that real stressful sort of levels doing high-intensity repetitions or, you know, the definition of stress often is that 3K, 5K race. People often yeah. say that, especially that's the, the 5K, stressful. yeah, that the yeah. 5K is the most stressful. So I'm, I'm on a band, so you've allowed me to have my 19 22 is the February challenge park yep. run time. <laughs> I think that's only fair given, given you're now, you've got a medical timeout. <laughs> Since I've been temporarily put onto the bench. But he did also say that sometimes this irregularity can be caused by either um, a, a thyroid function. So I had a blood test for that or low iron and also had a blood test for that. So I got the results back yesterday for them. Thyroid is fine, but uh, incredibly low line, incredibly low iron levels uh, mm. I've, I've come back with. Now, I didn't actually get the number. I'm going to ask him because I'm going to get an iron infusion next week. And he said that sometimes that alone can 
assist back with you know, getting things back on track. So I've got a few steps, I guess, uh, over the next couple of weeks to try and, I guess, normalise things again. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things is if I think back to how I was feeling pre my surgery when all of this was happening originally, I'm getting very similar uh, types of symptoms and it got to a point where it's actually much worse prior to having the surgery, but these mm. symptoms are uh, what was happening in sort of the early stages and that was, you know, being unable to breathe when, I was, when I'm doing those stressful and, and strenuous workouts. And, and I don't mean unable to breathe because you're pushing yourself as in like I'm unable to breathe because there's a problem. It's like somebody has got in my airways and has basically choked them and yeah. nothing is getting in and then I become quite lightheaded, I become quite dizzy and then when I've stopped exercising, I'm still then like gasping for air mm. and that unable to get that air in if I'm just resting. So I've had a couple of incidents like that now and, you know, that, that night and then the next day following that strenuous activity, I've still got those really um, gasping for, for air type of breathing patterns. Which is is not good. So off to the cardiologist for you. (laughs) (laughs) None of that is good. So, but look, whilst this, you know, is obviously not fabulous for first of all, my overall health, but, you know, second of all, my running pursuits, I also find a lot of these things really interesting. I find Mm -hmm. just, you know, sometimes it's not just about going out and pushing yourself harder. Other things are going on and having that ability to sort of step back to be able to take those few steps forward, it, it, I, I don't know, I just find it really interesting. So mm, um, it definitely puts puts your running goals into perspective as well. So this yeah. is obviously <laughs> something that transcends <laughs> trying to run fast is, uh, yeah, making sure that you're healthy and yeah, you know, exactly. going to be around for the long haul. So absolutely, got to stop and get this kind of stuff checked out. But I was having a bit of a joke that maybe I'm actually, uh, my body is, forcing me to become a full-time marathoner. It uh, <laughs> is revolting against having to do this 5K. So <laughs> it's not- Who knows? Maybe, maybe <laughs> that might, might be an outcome. As a, you, you might be a, lo- a low-intensity aerobic animal. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm interested to go and do this stress test. And now I think when I originally did a lot of these tests, I was only 18 and 19. So I didn't really have a huge amount of understanding as to what was going on. And I'll be, I didn't really ask a lot of questions. I think when you're that young, you're mm. a bit timid as well. Whereas I'm actually really keen to sort of get a bit more involved in what they're doing and what do the yep. results mean and is there anything that I can do differently. And so got a bit of a oh, an interesting journey uh, ahead of yeah. me over the next couple of weeks. I'll be interested to see how the stress test goes. I actually had to have one of those maybe about 10 years ago or not, maybe not quite that long, but uh, I, once I was going to do the Paris Marathon and they actually insist that you have a medical clearance from a doctor before you're allowed to enter. And I had an ECG, which proved to be slightly abnormal. And then I was sent off to, um, like you have a stress test with a cardiologist. And that was an interesting experience because they have this protocol where the speed of treadmill gets faster, but also the incline yeah. um, increases. So yeah. I actually destroyed my shins <laughs> in that in that test because I ended up running up this super super steep <laughs> incline, and because they they had to sort of basically take me to the absolute end of their protocol because I was really quite fit at the time, and mm. you know those kind of things are usually designed for people who are a bit older and not very fit. And yeah, 
um, with you know congenital heart issues and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, my recommendation to you during the week was maybe, maybe pack a set of heel raises <laughs> to, put, <laughs> to put in your shoes just to take a bit of load, especially now you've got this old lady calf. I know. <laughs> well, it was. I was saying it's a bit of a silver lining because the my doctor was actually trying to get me in this week and was unable to do it, but you know still managed to get in quite soon. Because normally you're waiting two or three months for a specialist, but. In the end, I was sort of like, oh, I can't really run anyway because I can't actually get up onto my toes uh, without this calf feeling like it's going to ping. So got to fix old lady calf and then jump on the stress test and find out what's going on with this crazy heartbeat of mine. Yes. Well, I'm very, very curious to see what the outcome of that is and, you know, touching wood that you there's no more surgery or anything involved and it can be yeah. sorted out with some other less invasive yeah, me, treatment options. Yeah, you and me both. But um, I've I actually never had an iron infusion as well, so I've got that coming next week. Have you ever had an iron infusion? Uh, I, I haven't, but uh, I'm close to someone who has had one of, one of those and it, took, it was pretty serious business. It took, I think, nearly seven or eight hours for the one that, one oh, that no. she had. No, this um, is definitely not. I think I'm going to be in the chair for maybe 10 minutes. So. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe <laughs> it's a... It's a smaller dose. But yeah. yeah. No, no, it's definitely not a, a full day event. But again, in reflection, I had been saying how tired I was and in the busy life that we lead. And mm. I think you you sometimes, like your your lifestyle and then your training, you're making excuses for actually looking at what the exact problem is because, you know, when you're running and you are doing, oh, look, I mean, you and I aren't running huge Ks, but still 70 kilometres a week of, of running I think is still quite a lot. Especially with everything else that you do. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a full-time job and, um, you know, not – it's quite a stressful, stressful job as well. Yeah. Two small humans to look two, after. Two small humans and all of that. Like, like I'm naturally tired anyway. That's sort of status quo in my life. But the fact that um, you know, I've been going to bed at nine o'clock at night, which is unheard of for me. One night I was actually in bed at eight thirty, which I think mm. is an all-time record. And you know, getting up at six o'clock the next morning, thinking. I, have, I haven't slept. Like I've, I'm feeling exhausted even though I'm having these mm. 10, 11, 12-hour sleeps, I think, and especially as women as well. I know that it's quite a common problem in yep. women, low iron. So, Well, I didn't, I didn't want to address lady part type issues, but <laughs> now that you've brought it up. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. well, it, it's very true and it's something that, yep. um, you know, it shouldn't, it probably shouldn't, it shouldn't be at all a taboo subject, mm. but for females who are doing endurance type of activities and especially running too because, um, you know, that hitting that surface all the time and mm. you're, you're I guess, doing micro damage to your body and you're, you're needing blood to be able to help repair these areas. And so women with their menstrual cycle every month are obviously losing blood. And so, you know, it, it's harder to kind of keep that those iron levels up. So, you know, I think it should be something that women get checked quite regularly. Yes, definitely. And I'd be interested as you sort of go through this process, like if you sort of figure out, you know, what, what's caused that low yeah. iron level and what you're going to do about it going forward. Yeah. So, and just on that, because I'd had some absorption issues, uh, which I did get tested and I had possibly the most revolting dose of antibiotics I've ever had in my life. So the test that I did was called a SIBO test. Have you ever heard of it before? No. No. So it stands for, I think, small intestinal bowel, something or other. And it's basically a breathing test to test the absorption 
in your gut and to see whether or not, you know, you've got bacteria or anything that is basically lining the gut that doesn't allow you to absorb correct uh, minerals and nutrients. Um, So I had done that test last year and it actually came back positive that I did have this bacteria and so the way they treat it is through these horrendous antibiotics, they're revolting. So there's, uh, from memory, I think three different pills you have to take three times a day and each dosage is like three tablets. But the side effects are it it kills off the the bacteria and it dies in the gut and so the side effects are just horrendous bloating, Mm. nausea, cramping. Sounds like the cure is worse than the disease. (laughs) It it was actually awful. I remember the second night of taking these things and I was doubled over in pain and I just thought something's wrong and I emailed the doctor and I was like, this is happening. And she's like, this is, whilst it doesn't sound like this, this is actually a good thing because it shows that it's working. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got to suffer through this. But the first few days were pretty horrendous, but then after that it did improve. And I need to do the test again to see whether or not, you know, that bacteria has actually gone so I'm able to absorb. But uh, given these low iron levels, I'm suspecting that that's not the case. Gosh, mm. I'm just a, I'm a walking encyclopedia of problems. <laughs> yes, 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 you are. <laughs> Oh, it's good. It's good to stop and pause on that. And yeah, there's a a few takeaways for people. Get get stuff checked out when it's when it's potentially raising as an issue. Don't sort of ignore it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a guy. You were being a guy. I was. I really was being a guy. I think it's more so. I'd been through it all before, and this process isn't just a. Oh, you know, I've I've got a headache. I'll go to the doctors and get. I don't know. headache tablet and and it's fixed like it it unfortunately takes a while to sort of eliminate certain things until you actually get to the root cause like I underwent about a year worth of tests before my um, PDA was actually diagnosed there were so many different things that it could have been so it's a bit of a process of elimination and so there was a part of me going gosh, you know, I've just worked so hard. I've just had this year of getting really fit and I'm feeling fit and I'm feeling good and training's going well and, oh, I just, I, I don't want to stop to then, you know, yeah. go on this other journey of discovery. But, you know. You've now been, you have to go back to being a lab rat for a while. Uh, yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day when you get, you know, you get out of your own way and you realise that running is a hobby and your heart is your life. So it really, really shouldn't have been a difficult choice. Yes. Uh, well, very good. Well, I'm glad you're um, getting all that checked out and yeah, keep us posted with developments. Yeah. yeah as, as you mentioned, you've, your time, 1922, now stands for the February leg of our 5K challenge. So so that's my target. Yeah. <laughs> to- hey, do you know what? We might, depending on what happens with all these tests, it might be that um, I'm a DNS for March and... Uh- <laughs> I'm going to win in a walkover. <laughs> There's no satisfaction in that. No, no, no. There's really not. But um, and I can't and I can't race JT as a um, no. as a stand-in because he'll just flog me. So he's getting too yeah. good. Just on a side note, he's actually doing a three k. So actually, this is a really good. So my husband is not a runner. I think I've mentioned this before. He's actually a surfer and he's annoyingly mm. good at nearly every sport except for tennis. I will say that <laughs> um, he's actually awful at tennis. I get some satisfaction out of that, but. Um, he 
has always participated in, you know, like the fun runs and things um, because he is just a, a general runner and has always been quite intimidated by the track and has always thought, no, 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 you know, to, to be on the track, you know, you need spikes and you need fancy yeah. shorts and you actually need to know what you're doing. And for eight years I've continued to say, no, you don't. It is, it's actually a great place for beginners because it's very measurable, you know, it, it's safe and you can actually get some, some pretty quick like results if you you know start to train and, and follow a program and finally he stood onto the track and you know has taken these huge chunks in just two weeks so now he's stepping on to do a 3k he's he's got he's addicted a, he's, he's addicted a, to the track he's addicted so my message really is to all the recreational runners that think the track is a place for just elite superstars is that it's absolutely not and if you want to improve your road times get onto the track Yes, yeah, training for the track and, you know, that's I guess one of the reasons why we ended up covering or doing 5K training this time around because, you know, it's a great time to work on your speed. Yeah, um, and your pacing. Time. Yeah, I was going to you picked the words right out of my mouth. I was going to mention that as well, but it's the best place to learn pacing because yeah. you just, you know, you tick, tick, off, tick off those paces and learn how to hold a pace for a period of time. And I think it is because, you know, he is your classic, um, especially when he started running when we first met and he'd sort of come from a, a football rugby background as well where, you know, that mentality is just train hard, you know, smash yourself in every session. And so we actually went down to the town and did some 1K repeats um, when when we were living in Melbourne and we were training with uh, actually the, the Crosby crew at the time down there at Tim Crosby's group and he did his first Rep K and they had some African runners training with the group and he was up with them in the first oh. K. I, I don't know what time he recorded. I think it was a sub three minute K. Jeepers. And they were, and someone actually made a comment to him. They were like, wow, you're actually really fast for someone that's so bulky. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, as a surfer, he's really yeah. muscly and strong and everything. And you've got these tiny little African runners who are, you know, all, you know, sinew and really long, lean legs. But we had to do five of them. So. <laughs> I bet the next four were hard. I, he didn't even finish. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that was like the pattern of how he ran for so long, even mm. in races, would just fly out of the gates and just die a spectacular death. But he's gone onto the track and now um, I was there taking his splits as well and he was able to then come back and see the, the splits for each 400 and then go back and have that memory of what that felt like during the race. And I would even taken some footage as well so he could actually see because you know what it's like when you took the footage on the track. You yeah. can see yourself the whole race. It's not like a 10K where you see yourself at the start and the glamorous photo finish at the end. Mm. Um, you've got some really good data to analyse. So uh, he's really taken that on board and has actually reaped the rewards of learning this really consistent pacing strategy. I love it. I love mm. it a lot. Yeah. Yes get onto the track and yeah there's always graded races for for people who are at the the slightly slower end of the spectrum so don't be don't be afraid or embarrassed to enroll yourself in a 
in an F or a G or whatever the grade is that's appropriate for you and no. yeah, see, see what you can do on the track. Yeah, well, in the Masters race that I had done on the weekend, there was a lady, I think from memory she was in maybe the 70-year-old age group and it took her about 35 minutes to do the 5K and she completed the whole thing. And I was like, how good is that? That, yeah. you know, she wasn't intimidated by anyone or anything and here she was at 70. Very impressive. Mm, very, very impressive. But um, anyway, that's their my trials and tribulations for the week. What about you? Have you got any positivity to bring to the show this week I, or any running actually? I, I do. I have running and positivity in equal measure. So this is a good thing. I, I think when we spoke last week, I I'd had a pretty slow start to the week and I'd only run about 12Ks, but I managed to actually, I think I got up to about 33 kilometers last week, which is about 20 miles. And I kind of kicked off, you know, I was talking about doing that sort of almost nine day cycle, the nine day training cycle. So I sort of kicked that off as well with a, you know, an hour and 45 minute walk running session out in the out in the forest which went pretty well and kind of then moved into this week I've actually only run a couple of times this week but I've already covered 23 kilometers so I'm a couple of couple of longer sessions and one of those was a bit of a bit of a hack bit of a, a fitness slash training hack because I've got this sort of time pressure of trying to do a 5k in February and I don't have a large volume of training and sessions behind me I've been trying to think of ways to approach my training so I can get a get used to running a little bit quicker and get my legs turning over and to gather a little bit of fitness in a hurry and and do all of that while being mindful of the fact that I've have sort of been tweaking around with my running technique so doing that in a way that isn't going to result in me hurting myself so I, I did a pretty nice session midweek, which was, I mentioned I was going to sort of roll through, you know, long run tempo or stuff a bit under anaerobic threshold level and also rep pace training, which is a sort of mile pace training as my three kind of stock standard training sessions that I was going to roll out before we do this race in March. So, so this one I did midweek was basically the supposed to be under anaerobic threshold level. And what I did was yeah, do a bit of a jog warm up for, oh, it might have been about fifteen minutes or something like that. And then I did sets of eight hundred meters and four hundred meters, and covered like a total volume of running at around that kind of thresholdy pace of four kilometers. And there's no way I would have been able to cover four kilometers if I'd done them off very short levels of recovery. So. So what I did was, well, I did, again, what I'd done previously that I mentioned. I, I, I scheduled these for basically a, a section of road that is a net downhill drop um, so I can run a little bit faster for less effort. And over the, I was just, just looking at my, and I'm not sure how accurate my GPS is, but it thinks that the 800 metre segment that I ran has a drop of about sort of 16 metres. So it's a bit, but yeah. it's not. It's not, not crazy. crazy. No. It's not crazy downhill, but it's certainly enough to make it easier. And sort of about halfway through that 800 meters, there is like a little steep drop off, which gives you a little bit of a break. But yeah, but there's also some kind of flat sections as well. So to keep me honest. So yeah, so I did those sort of sets of 800. After I did my eight, first 800, I basically, I actually just stopped and had like a, a few moments of static recovery. And been kind of playing around with sort of getting down into that sort of deep squat 
position and then just really practicing deep breathing to try and bring my heart rate down as quickly as possible. And I found that to be super, super effective. So even like maybe 20 or 30 seconds of just deep squat, making sure I keep my head up so my airways are kind of clear and really deep breathing. Then a little bit of walking following that and then a jogging the full length of the recovery. So I basically had a tiny bit of static rest in my squat and then a full 800 metres of walk-jog recovery before I went back. Actually, not quite because I was doing sets of 800 and um, 400. So 400 metres of walk-jog recovery and then do a 400-metre effort down the same section and then basically repeated that three times and then did an extra 400 at the end to get my sort of 4K worth of work. So, yeah, that's kind of a good hack to potentially get yourself some more volume at or around the pace that you're kind of targeting. And I was able to do pretty much all of those reps at under 160 beats a minute. I think there was one where there was a little bit of a headwind came up at the end that just put me slightly over for a very short period of time. But pretty much I I think I ticked the box in making it a, a relatively effective leg turnover session without kind of stressing my body too much so it it was it was good it was a good good session what else did I need to tell you about that uh oh pace yes so I probably ran the 800 800 meter sections in sort of average of about 415 to 420 kilometer pace and yeah that's getting along pretty well and the 400 meter sections I was actually doing them at about four minute kilometer pace so Again, because I was doing shorter repetitions, I was able to run a bit faster than what if I decided to, say, do miles or just do a straight out, you know, 3K tempo run or something like that. So, as I mentioned before, I'm not really fit enough to do that length of unbroken running. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with that session and I'm hoping that one will set me up for next next week when I go to park run and, and uh, try and put a time on the board for, for February I was about uh, to say you, you've got a week to get yourself into shape to be able to run that distance unbroken. That's, that's right. That's right. And, look, I'm still pretty confident that I'm going to be able to do somewhere. I'm hoping to break 20 minutes. And I'm still pretty confident that I should be hopefully be able to do that. What was your time pre-marathon? You did that parkrun pre-marathon, didn't you, from memory, but not on all – no, you did an all-out effort. I, yeah, I did, yeah, and that was about – 2006. Yeah, I was going to say you just yeah. missed that sub. Um, I did. Yeah, so, okay, all right. I know you haven't done a lot since then, but you've got all that fitness behind you. Yes. And you were doing a lot of long, slow plodding back then, whereas I guess now you, you've got some, whilst they're not huge continuous efforts, you are getting that yes. big turnover happening a lot more. Correct. And there's, a, there's almost that sort of neuromuscular component of just training yourself to move a little bit quicker and getting your body to do that. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to hack a bit by doing, yeah, shorter repetitions, a little bit of downhill, and but keeping myself in that kind of below threshold pace so it's not too stressful on my body and I'm not working too hard that I can't actually concentrate on running with good technique because yeah. if I think I was doing, you know, kilometre reps at VO2 max kind of intensity where, you know, heart rate would be up 165 to 170, then there's no way I'd be able to hold my technique together and potentially put myself under unnecessary training stress, which I Who don't was it? Do. Um, was it Ron Clark that said that he used to uh, race himself or yes, do sessions yes. in races? Yeah, that's right. We were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was saying he didn't worry too much about the um, training so much. He kind of, you know, race himself into fitness. And I guess that's 
what I'm hoping to achieve with both the 3K time trial that I did a couple of weeks back now in 12 minutes. And if I can do a 5K time trial in about 20 minutes, then those they're my two hard training sessions basically for the for the 5k track race that we're going to do in March and I don't think I need to introduce anything that stressful into my mm. into my weekly training I think those two efforts will will give me more than enough of a, a shock to the system to prepare myself for hopefully running a bit faster again on the track yeah in March. Oh, that's exciting you've only got a week to your 5k park run I'm looking forward to this actually now that I am on just easy exercise I'll be backing you for the hard intense <laughs> efforts that's right <laughs> yes oh. and I uh, I have a, actually I'm going to employ a pacer for my 5k effort at the park run so we've actually later in this episode we've got an interview with a friend of mine Campbell Ackland who is a physical education teacher and a guy that I worked with out at the the university for a few years and he cracked the magical three-hour barrier for the marathon last last year at, at the Gold Coast Marathon. I'm jealous. And yeah, me too. And so I really wanted to pick his brains on his progression from his first marathon in 2006. Was it Melbourne on that windy day, the, the one that Tom yeah. DeCanto won that one? And, yeah, yeah my, my brother ran his PB that day of 3.28. That day Campbell had a bad day because that was his first one, and I think he was in the 3.40 something which is still a, still a pretty solid debut but he went from 340 something and having a bad end to that marathon he then ran really strongly at Canberra the year after and, and recorded just under 315 so about what you ran at New York and then almost a year after that he went to Gold Coast and ran two hours 56 so yeah. I, was, I was pretty keen to pick his brains about his um, his process for improving and getting under that three-hour barrier but um, I asked him to volunteer to help me with the the 20 minute barrier which it shouldn't be as uh, uh, much of a problem for him to be able to jog along and run 20 minutes at the moment because he's been regularly sort of running in the mid-18s at Park Run. Oh, gosh. Um, well, yeah, he'll be, this yeah. Will be an easy thing for him. Yeah, just make be just sure, easy tempo session for him. Make sure he doesn't go out too hard, though. I do not yep. believe in banking time for no, a second. I. I think that is, yep. honestly, it's absolute rubbish, unless you're incredibly fit and a bit of a freak. Most circumstances have shown that it actually doesn't work out in your favor no i've already discussed that with him via text message the, the <laughs> okay, goal good. is his job is to try and deliver me to four kilometers in about 16 minutes and then by that stage i'll have a sniff of the finish and i'll just try and run as hard as i can to the finish so that'll be that'll be the way I want to run it really evenly especially over those first couple of kilometers and look if the first k is slightly over four minutes that might actually be a good thing because i'm pretty confident if i can get to four kilometers and not have blown up that oh. i'll be able to probably pick up the pace a little bit in the later stages yeah well i'm interested to see that your data and that uh, especially that fourth k that's something that when i get back after these few trials and tribulations it's one part of that 5k race that i really want to focus on training and, and honing in on and maybe we can talk yeah. about that in another episode how to beat the fourth k of a 5k uh, so look it's just the black hole where all of your seconds go leaking into and you, you don't quite realize where they went but Oh. Yeah, they, they do they do add up once you start drifting one or two seconds a lap off your goal pace yeah and um, it's so easy it to do up. like for example on the weekend and even though it wasn't you know my, my best performance but I had actually run one of the things I'd said to myself was 
it's not going to be a great day, but let's just run consistently. And so I think I did the first K in a 3.48 and then I did the next K in a 3.47 and I thought, oh, this is pretty good. I'm, I'm being quite consistent. The next K dropped off, I think, maybe to about a 3.50 and then the fourth K was over four minutes. Yeah. And it, I, I, Brian, I don't even know how it happened. It just – because then the last K actually was a 3.48 again and yeah. – like it dropped, I need to go back and have a look, but I'm sure it was like a 405 or something. That's like a 15, 17 second drop in 1K. <laughs> there probably were some mitigating circumstances as we've discussed at the, <laughs> yeah, no, there the, definitely the, was, the start but, of the episode. But it's so yeah. easy to do. Like I think that's just sort of the point I'm trying to get that you know, I felt like I felt the effort level was identical to my previous three kilometres and I was just blown away to see that the last K was a 348 because I was like, oh, that actually felt quite, it felt harder, but I don't know what it is. It's that mysterious fourth K. <laughs> yep. It does. It does it to you every time. So in terms of other positivity in my running, I've been doing this walk running strategy, particularly when I've been out in the forest, which is quite hilly. So I managed to yeah do a run, which was about an hour and 12 minutes or so. And I covered uh, about 11 and a half kilometers. And my average pace, don't tell Keith, um, was about <laughs> six, six 14 minute kilometer pace, oh, no. um, which is, which is not bad because when, when, you know, as obviously I had to walk up a couple of the hills because there's about 120 meters of climbing. And I reckon that's probably actually more than that in the early part of the run, but, you know, managed to, to tick off you know, there's obviously some K, slow Ks in there, so some 6.30s when I'm going up the hill and then a 7.20 something when I've had to walk and then a 6.50 and then an 8. <laughs> but then once I got onto the flat and the downhill, I'm starting to do some 5.20s and 5.40s in the in the later stages. So it's starting to come together and the, generally there's longer periods of where I'm able to run aerobically in those kind of sessions so yeah there's a there is a bit of fitness starting to build up for me which is which is good mm, yeah well you are you, you're going to be the man of the podcast when we're talking about running at the moment so no pressure but uh, <laughs> it's, it's all on you well you'll be able to practice your your slow aerobic running there lisa so no, i will yeah. actually i will um i, I did some walk running I, i've turned into you this week and i yeah. did 96 minutes on Wednesday, I covered 12 kilometers. And I said to you, it was actually just really refreshing. And I asked you the question, well, how do you actually do this run walking? Like, how do you know when to stop running and and start walking and and vice versa? And you said to me that you don't allow, you, you stop your running as soon as you hit your aerobic threshold aerobic yep and then you walk until your heart rate drops below the 100 beats per minute and I actually really enjoyed it I I walked more than what I ran just because my calf wasn't fabulous but it was really interesting I actually dropped 10 beats for my um, aerobic threshold just because of how I'm feeling and my current heart situation but I was only really able to run no more than 300 metres at a time. But I still travelled, I think my average was about seven, seven and a half minute Ks or so mm. with that walk running and no more. You can than, cover a lot of ground. You know? Yeah, it was, it was really good. And just from a mental perspective, I loved it. And it was the longest time on legs that I've been out since the marathon. And I could feel the effects. The next day I woke up with really sore glutes. So I thought, well, there's, there's something in this walk running, isn't there? I reckon there is, and if you've, I've, I have been thinking about that a bit while I've been out there doing it, and you you could 
probably make the argument that from a an evolutionary hunter-gatherer kind of standpoint that probably walk running might have been the way that we got across the ground when you know we're chasing down animals or or moving between places you know because you think it wouldn't necessarily make sense just to run the whole way even that's the fastest way to get there because mm. if you've got a persistence hunt you know for four you've, if you've got to go for six hours or something until some poor animal that you've been <laughs> hunting falls over because it's tired then probably a walk run strategy maybe was what our ancestors were doing more so than trying to prove that we were you know really tough and fit by running three hours continuous or something like that Mm, yeah well i'm i'm a convert because it's all i can do at the moment anyway but (laughs) you're on board um, i'm I'm completely on board but hey just before we we jump over to the interview i want to talk about something else that i did this week which is what i'm going to focus on now that i'm um, on the uh, on the bench from strenuous running i did body scan and have you ever done one of these probably not in the way that i think that you had it done but i've you know had various measures of body composition uh, back at high school we were doing the caliper method i think yeah and, yeah yeah so um, it's moved and i've on used those sort of bio impedance things where you stand on the plate but yeah. i don't think either of those two methods are probably super accurate but yeah well yours is, i'm not sure look i'm not sure either and i hadn't done this before I'd, I'd done the calipers and everything when i was studying at university as well but this was um body scan it was called the evolt 360 uh that my gym just actually had it there uh and you could sounds like being electrocuted (laughs) well it didn't cost very much i think it was like 40 dollars, and i just thought you know what let's just go and get some um some scans and whilst i'm in this discovery phase at the moment and uh so you stand on two plates and you can actually be fully clothed you just have to take your shoes off and you hold like these two handles over Mm -hmm. to the side and to be honest, I'm not entirely sure how it works. I, I'm not sure whether it – I don't know how the scanning mechanism works. But I think it might be something to do with different resistance of fat versus other structures in your body is the – I think it might be the theory. But Yeah, well, that's pretty much what the output is, but I'm not sure how the actual scanning thing works. So you're, mm. on, you're on the thing for about 60 seconds. And it, it pops out with a whole bunch of different results. And I haven't had a lot of time to digest it all yet, but uh, some of the interesting ones that I got from it, so it, it does your, it doesn't really focus on what, what you weigh in your BMI. And I must admit, I don't, I've never really paid a lot of attention to those types of figures anyway, because they're just, they're just really a number that don't necessarily mean a lot. But it looks more at like your lean, body mass, uh, your muscle versus your fat, your visceral um, muscles, sorry, the visceral fat in, in your in your body as well, and also whether you've got enough fluid, so how hydrated or dehydrated you are, mm-hmm. and also the mineral levels in your body. And then it also gives you a breakdown between your left and your right side, which I haven't seen done before i'm not sure if you've seen that done um and then also like breaking down your legs your arms and your torso and breaking down like your fat um, and your lean muscle mass in those areas too so instead of just saying you know giving you an overall figure you can actually then break it down and say well actually maybe i'm carrying more of the fat you know in my arms Mm. Um, so uh, from that perspective i found it quite interesting uh i don't really have anything to worry about which I'm 
I'm not surprised on that one. I'm sitting at 17% body fat, which is very that's lean. Quite, that's quite low for females though. So when you said you don't have anything to worry about, I'd be maybe... <laughs> maybe more cream cakes. Yeah, maybe. Like, so, yeah, anyway, it's useful information. Uh, the only thing that I would say about I have done no research into the the accuracy of or know nothing about the device that you used here but i have heard people talking about those kind of technologies and maybe not being as reliable as some other methods of measuring body composition like you know i've heard, mm. heard dr phil talking about putting people in in the water and yeah that's meant to be the most accurate i think i think so yeah, yeah. again I'm, I'm no expert but no you probably have to take it with a grain of salt i guess is what i'm saying well my main purpose of this was um they, they test you again in eight weeks and i really wanted to focus more on gaining muscle I, I don't want to lose any weight or anything and especially sort of in my upper body I'm so weak and these results pretty much showed that that I not only have no f- muscle on my arms I have no fat so there's just nothing I've got two bones just glued onto the side <laughs> <little> chicken wings <laughs> of my body so now that I've got some some more time and I'm not going to be doing so much intense exercise that I, I might look to building a, a little bit of more lean muscle mass and um, I'm quite curious to and I've already started that journey anyway as we've spoken about a lot being in the gym um, but working on sort of focusing on some targeting some areas and then seeing what the output is in eight weeks time interesting interesting mm. So the, uh, do you know what? The one thing that I definitely got, actually, there's two things that I got out of this. It said that my bio age is actually 29, so I'm totally <laughs> taking that. That's completely believable. So I'm interesting. <laughs> my heart's probably about 140, but the rest of my body's 29. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't that machine doesn't know about your heart and your and your <laughs> old lady calf. <laughs> Exactly. So we won't tell it about that. We're telling everyone I'm 29. And uh, it's got on here saying that I'm athlete status. So I'm taking both of those as nothing but positive. Uh, well, look, just to put that in context, though, and look, I, I don't deny that you're pretty athletic, but my, my polar heart rate monitor keeps telling me I'm elite and <laughs> clearly I'm not. <laughs> Oh dear! These devices just make ourselves feel quite good. For I think it's like the everyone gets a prize mentality, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just make you make you feel good about yourself. Oh dear! Well, um, about the only thing that I'm winning in my household at the moment is uh, what gives you an overall fitness score, and I got ninety out of a hundred, and my husband got eighty-five. So I'm like, I'm, this is going on the fridge like a charm. Right. It's got an A in their homework because he's outrunning me. He's, he's you know, he's he's the athlete in the family at the moment but my score says that I'm better <laughs> very good very good oh dear. <laughs> let's talk about what we're doing next week yeah well so what are you doing apart from going and getting prodded and poked and being elaborate that's pretty much what my week's consisting of well I've got the iron infusion on the Wednesday and I actually had an amazing massage today and my masseuse was, was getting into my calf and his feedback was basically that there's really not a lot of sort of damage to the muscle it seems more neural which again if we go back to everything that I've been saying uh, it makes sense to that sort of stress and then you had mentioned that when you got old man calf Mm. it had followed a bout of some intense stress yes and it didn't really feel like you know 
torn anything. It just no. was inexplicably tightening up. Yes, that's exactly the way that I'm feeling. And it's and he was massaging it, and then he would it would loosen up and it would feel amazing and have that nice floppy feeling. And then he would go to my back and my hips, and then come back, and my calf was like rock solid again. And he's just like, mm, yeah, this is this is looking quite neural. So I need to work on being a bit sort of less stressed I think <laughs> yeah. get into that deep squat position and breathe deeply it's it's good for stimulating is it the parasympathetic nervous nervous system response I'm sure I'll probably get that with the wrong way around but one of them stress and one of them's relaxation but right. yeah, deep squat and breathe deeply I think I'm I'm going to be doing a bit of that. Uh, I'm going to have the next couple of days off still with this calf, but I'm going to be doing um, some swimming, gym, try a little um, test run. Uh, I would have had by Monday, what's that, seven full days off. And they they sort of say about seven to ten days for just a low calf strain. I just don't really know if it's a strain. But anyway, Mm. we'll we'll test that out. Uh, So run, walking, gym, loving the gym still at the moment, some pool running and just some swimming. So I'm a bit of a cross-training maniac, making sure that it's all under that aerobic threshold. Very good. Mm. And what about you? Are you on taper week because you've got the big Uh, park run? Well, I'm not really going to taper because I don't have time to (laughs) taper because I want to get fit for this this make the make the 5k track race in March my goal so essentially I'll try and stick to my um, nine day repetitive cycle in the lead up to doing the park run which will mean over the weekend I've got a rep session to get out and probably early to midweek I'll probably do another longish run maybe up to two two hours but that'll be run walking so it won't be super stressful and some more gym of course before a couple of easy days before taking on the 5k park run time trial actually before we started recording I, I was I, I put something on Instagram about um, reaching my squatting record this morning of that. Oh, yeah, beast mode. Yeah, got to 100 kilo. And um, uh, Dave Costello, who we mentioned in the introduction to strength training episode, has sent me a message saying, I want to check out your form. So I'm (laughs) a little bit worried about that because what he's probably going to see is um, probably not going all that deep. Uh, no. <laughs> so might so- be saying, maybe saying I'm cheating a little bit, lots of things, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to get some feedback. It's always good to get some critique of what you're doing in the gym. And yeah, I've just essentially been uh, going it alone at the moment. So I will send, I did take a little video of my squatting. I'm not sure it's oh, from good. a very good angle because I didn't have my little tripod today, but I just leaned it on, on the squat rack and managed to capture the moment where I broke, well, I didn't break it, but I, I squatted. 100 kilograms so is that a pb or have you been there before no that's pb and i think what i need to do before even i heard from dave i was thinking what i need to do now is probably start playing around um, with shifting the emphasis around with the squatting a little bit so probably the way i've been doing it is probably fairly quad dominant and maybe maybe you know changing my foot placement to get into more of that kind of sumo squatting where you're kind of putting more yeah. pressure back onto your to your glutes was something I was thinking about doing. And to do that, I'm sure I'm going to have to back the weight off and, you know, make sure I'm comfortable using that kind of technique. And I'm, I might have to prop my heels if I'm going to go down that road as well mm. because of my very long thigh bones and inflexible ankles. So <laughs> there'll be a few things that I'll have to play around with. But we haven't really sort of covered this yet, but it's good to kind of change up what you're doing on a regular basis in the gym anyway, just to get that that kind of challenge your, your neuromuscular system again. Now, I've, I've obviously become quite proficient at squatting using 
the technique that I am, if, even if that is flawed. But now what I need to do is, you know, change that up and do something a little bit different to challenge myself again. And that'll kind of keep that sort of improvement curve going forward, which would be oh, good. Well done. Well, big PB week uh, for you there. But actually mentioning um, trying something different in the gym, you know the deadlift contraption that yeah. you use? I've forgotten the name of it. I always yeah. forget the name of hex it. Bar. Hex bar. The hex bar. I actually gave that a go on Wednesday and I loved it. It's good, isn't it? I actually enjoyed it more than the normal deadlift um, because as I was increasing the weight on the deadlift, just to get the bar actually off the ground, I was finding out it was not hurting my back a lot, but it, yeah. it, there was some pressure happening and I was like, mm, I'm not really sure about this. But So I got into that hex bar contraption and it actually just felt really natural. Yes, it's, it's a lot easier to do your deadlifting using that, particularly if you've got and I think you're probably a bit similar to me. I reckon you've got relatively long thigh bones. So, like, mm. clearing, getting over your knees with the bar, if you're just using a straight bar with your, when you're deadlifting, could potentially put you in a in a not very strong position and put you at more risk of injuring your back. So, we definitely don't want to do that. No. So, uh, yeah, I'm, it took me a while. I was a bit, uh, you know, confronted by that uh, funny-looking contraption, but I'm a convert now. Excellent. Very good. Well, um, yeah, we're going to uh, hear from Campbell Ackland and pick apart all of the things that he did to crack the magical three-hour marathon barrier, which I'm still dreaming about doing, Lisa, at some mm. point. Not yep. this year, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, just before we go to that, my Gold Coast is now in question. I was actually yes. going to enter this week, and then when I got this news at the heart, I was like, ooh. Um, uh, let's just wait and see what what uh, what comes of that. But uh, yeah, I'm still dreaming of the sub three two. I still know I can do it, but <laughs> my body needs to allow me to be able to. Yes, I did mention to Campbell during our conversation that that you are the more likely of the two of us to crack through sub three sooner rather than later. So uh, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. I know you haven't had to listen to that yet, but we might actually just kind of debrief on what Campbell has to say at the beginning of next week's episode because I think there's some interesting takeouts of the approach that he he used in, in well, the build-up to Gold Coast especially. I've seen his splits. You you did send those through and, mm. uh, yeah, super consistent and wow, did he power on home. So yeah, he sure did. I'm actually really interested to hear how he approached the run and how he, I guess, put so much discipline into his run and then just yeah. where he found that energy to to push through those last 5Ks. Yes, it's uh, it's it's an interest interesting discussion, and yeah, I think I got a, I got a lot out of the conversation, learned a lot, and I think I think you and the other listeners will probably probably take something away from it as well. Right, well, that's a wrap for us. We'll be back again next week with you. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. <laughs> Campbell Ackland, welcome to the Dalesford High Performance Centre <laughs> and the Running Technique Tips podcast. It's good to have you here. No worries, thank you. And uh, I met you when we were both working at Federation University, which is our, our local higher education institution in the kind of Ballarat central region and we were both sort of working in the uh, the learning and teaching center mm. there and now we've kind of moved on yep. to other things 
Um, but I was just, I just thought I'd mention like a bit of your background because there's a few reasons why I was interested to have a chat to you for the podcast. And one of them is because you basically studied something relevant to athletics and, and yeah. sport and athletic performance. So were you as human movement and oh, I was, exercise science? Or? Yeah, Bachelor of Physical Education. Right. So. Okay. So you would have covered a fair... We did a fair bit of the exercise and sports science course yep. in okay. the early days before yep. we sort of started to more specialise on the teaching aspects of things. Yep. We learned all the theory behind exercise and sports science. Excellent. Yeah. So, and, and you're not just any student from... <laughs> you're not just any student from that um, thing. You actually graduated and you were the, the... What was it? The Peter Fryer Award winner? Yeah, the Peter Fryer the, Award winner. The, the top student. Yeah, the most so. outstanding undergraduate. Excellent. Excellent. In my graduating years. And I wanted to mention that because we've got very intelligent listeners, so oh. I want them to only have very intelligent people. <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast and we, we've done pretty well with that so far so yeah. um, it's good and you're now working as a, a, a PE teacher yep. in the, the local secondary school at Dalesford. here in Dalesford and is there any like promising runners in there's a few there's a few like the younger ones there's a yep. couple in year there's one in year 8 and one in year 7 that are yeah, pretty good okay. runners so you're getting a little running group together yeah I've actually had the first day came around and I had a, a like we've got an internal messaging system mm-hmm. and one of the this students she'd messaged me and said can we get a running com- running group going so oh, right. she's keen excellent I'm sure I'll have a few that I'll be able to get interested that's good are you looking for a coach <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe got a bit of spare time on my hands at <laughs> Campbell <laughs> Maybe right. when we when we get stuck into it, we've got our swimming sports next yeah. week, and then after that we'll be gearing up for athletics and then cross country. So uh, sounds good. Yeah. Get into the running program. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was I'm like a lot of people. I've got this long term goal slash fantasy of breaking three hours for the marathon, and you've actually done it on a, on recently. So I was I was quite keen to just sort of pick your brains about how you did it. And hopefully I can take something away from, from that and apply that myself. And also probably the person on the podcast is going to break that barrier before I do is Lisa. <laughs> so there might be something that she can take away from that as well, given yeah. she was pretty much on track to she do was on it track, yeah. until fairly late in the, yeah. in the New York Marathon. And then yeah, being sick and if you were injured beforehand, sort of um, caught up with her in the end. But uh, I must admit, I just listened to that episode. So, oh, very yeah. good. Yeah. So, so she didn't miss by much. I think she's still went under 315 it's i think i might mention on one of the earlier episodes i I kind of consider it as like almost like a a general running public's four minute mile kind of standard like it's i don't think any everyone could do it but i think a lot of people with a reasonable amount of talent and certainly a lot of application and some good method could probably hope to achieve it yeah it was one of those things that when i started running marathons that i sort of said oh if i ever run a three-hour marathon i'll probably give it up then but then i then i ran it and thought oh i can go quicker i reckon so <laughs> well it would have been a pretty short running career because you only really started running what maybe three years ago yeah, 2015 so yeah so you haven't been doing it i was still working at the uni when yep. i started and yeah i had no idea what i was doing i oh, know you used to come in and tell me what you're doing yeah. i just kept telling you to slow down but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was one of those pesky yeah, pesky people that like to run too quick. Yeah. I did learn very quickly that you need to slow down. Well, it didn't do you any harm in the long run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> perhaps, in, perhaps in the short run. In terms of like running history, so you've only really been at it for 
three years. And in terms of the marathon, you've done three marathons. Yeah. And you ran Melbourne 2016, Canberra 2017, and Gold Coast 2018. Have I got that right? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Okay, I've done my homework. I've only managed to to get to one in a year. That's pretty good. That's not bad. I've wanted to do two, but my body just doesn't seem to handle it i seem to break down with some form of injury after yeah. every marathon so yeah <laughs> pay the price for running too fast maybe <laughs> but yeah i mean running one a year is pretty sensible really yeah. I've, even for my two slower marathons i've just done one for the last two years but i think this year i might try and run two yeah yeah one, one maybe not quite so fast as the other <laughs> So anyway, just walk us through Melbourne 2016 because you were pretty you were pretty green at that point. Yeah. I remember you coming to work and sort of talk, talking to me about what you were doing, and you went into that race. And that was we've spoken about that one on the podcast. There was a it was a pretty nasty day. It was yeah. very windy, yeah. and I remember because my brother ran that, yeah. and I was out there tracking both him and you and I ran into Renee somewhere near yeah. the shrine <laughs> and, and I was waiting for, for you and my brother and I was like oh gee Campbell would nearly be coming along soon as I was sitting on St Kilda Road and then you didn't appear and eventually <laughs> my brother appeared and, <laughs> and I was like where's, where's Campbell <laughs> something something might have gone wrong yeah the weather I don't think the weather would be responsible for my performance yeah. on that day it was my lack of conditioning would be yeah. what I would put down to it wouldn't yes. have helped though. It wouldn't have helped, but um, I didn't have much, you know, very good training yeah. uh, knowledge in that those days. I sort of was, for some reason, I wasn't doing enough miles. I was not doing, just wasn't covering enough territory during the week of training. So my strength was just wasn't there. Okay, so Melbourne 2016, just walk me through how that sort of race played out because you got to the half in a fairly aggressive time for at least for yeah. your preparation. Or... Yeah. I can't quite remember what yeah. I got to the half in, whether it was, I think I might have been on track for three hours 30 at the halfway mark. Yeah. And I even got to 30Ks okay, but as soon as I turned to come up yeah. St Kilda Road, that was, I hit that point. And I think, I think my race was done at 30Ks really. Yeah. I, I was willing myself to get there, and then I had a bit of a walk, and once you start walking, yep. it's pretty hard to get back into it, so yes, the so. last 12Ks was a, a walk <laughs> walk jog back to the finish line. Yeah, well, I can attest to the, the misery of walk running <laughs> to the finish line after what happened to me this year, Yeah, um, and yeah, I, came, I, I think I had my first walk at about 25Ks, and I'd yeah. slowed down a lot in the last five before yeah. then, so yeah, it's yeah. a long way home to the finish when you it get is. it wrong. Yeah hard work mm. and a friend of mine he he regularly reminds me of him seeing me underneath the mcg in the the war zone i like to call it after the after the Melbourne marathon in underneath there and i was sitting up against the wall just staring into space and i was an absolute <laughs> ruined man so yep yeah under the mcg there it's it's a bit dark there's lots of runners it's a bit smelly yeah i remember yeah. So even i was completely exhausted i thought yeah. gee you know there's a few people here that could uh, use a bit of a tidy, a bit of a tidy up but it's yeah. it's definitely you know that's probably the most emotional time i think after yeah. you finish and when you're under there you're in the dark and you're just in there with the runners yeah like all the runners and if you bump into a few people, you know, and it's pretty full on actually. And usually, both both years, I've actually had to gather myself a bit before I've gone out to um, meet my little support crew after yeah. the race. So, yeah, tough times. So, just for the listeners, what did you end up running in oh, 2016? In it Melbourne? was around the 3:45 mark. Yeah, yeah. 
can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah. three forty-five was where I was at. That that rings mm. a bell, and yeah. and yeah, that was a tough day for a lot of people. I remember, yeah. my brother was probably on about he was on for about a three twenty-five, I reckon, when I saw him the first time on St Kilda Road. Yeah, but when I saw him after he'd been under the art centre and come back up there. <laughs> Actually, no, was it the second time? Yeah, it was when he was on his way back up the hill. He wasn't in very good shape, so I think he ended up running about 3.28, which is still amazing time. Still yeah. still nearly 10 minutes faster than what I've done to this point. <laughs> just really suffered in the wind. That uh, cross, There was the crosswind on the beach that was just horrendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's a good day to be not running that day. <laughs> so anyway, moving along to a happier story, Canberra 2017. <laughs> Canberra 2017. And I actually happened to be in Canberra as well. Cause you my, were there, yeah. Yeah, my brother was going to run the Canberra Marathon, but I think he popped his old man calf in the lead-up, so it ended up being a family holiday. But, but we went down to sort of see um, part of the latter stages, and mm. I think, I can't remember exactly, we probably saw you with maybe two or three Ks to run. Oh, not even that. Yeah. I reckon I was just coming in, I reckon I was maybe the 40, 40 or 41 K mark. It was close to yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. And I remember... St- well, I didn't even recognise you. I was a whole other state of delirious, I think. And <laughs> I, remember, I remember having this this guy just yelling out at me, saying, you're looking strong or something like yeah. that. And a bit later in the, the morning, I got a, got a text message from you and with a picture and I've gone, oh, that's who it was yelling at me. <laughs> you reminded me. I should, I'll should. have to use that picture in the... Uh, maybe I'll use that picture when we post up this episode. Um <laughs> Yeah, you did look strong, and you, you yeah. rattled home like super yeah. fast. Uh, when I took photos of you there, I thought, yeah, you're running a lot yeah. quicker than the time that you actually yeah. finished in, which was I think was just under three fifteen. Yeah, right? three fourteen. I was. Yeah. At, yeah, and that was probably the day that I I worked out that you're better off going conservative in the first yes. half of a marathon and and then storming home to finish. Yep. Yeah, I suspect you were running not far shy of. Um, minute k pace so I reckon, close, I reckon, yeah. when we saw you and i think you told me afterwards that you're really pushing hard because the 315 pacer was kind of yelling at you to at the um as i turned into the finishing shoot yeah. I, I came in and the 315 pacer was sitting there and he was waiting he'd obviously finished a little bit early and yep. he was waiting for me and just yelling at me to push it home so so you did so i did i got i got in just under the 315 mark which was yep yeah. Which is good, considering I went into that essentially thinking I was going to do three hours 30. Um, and it wasn't until oh, maybe a month beforehand and I was at the running company, run club, and Julian Spence asked me what my goal time was and I said 3.30 and he laughed and he goes, nah, you're more like 3.15, mate, come on. <laughs> so those little comments from yep. such an esteemed runner is, yep. really helps your confidence. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the big moose, he does know his way around the marathon. He <laughs> yeah. has to run about 15 yeah. or something. And um, you can just look at your training and mm. you can pick pick a time pretty well. So Excellent. Yeah. And, and we sort of covered time prediction and pace prediction quite a bit when yeah. we were building up to Melbourne and New York, respectively. Yeah. Did you, other than, other than getting Julian's blessing, did you like use any of the no. calculators or have any other means of estimating what you thought you might do at that time, point in time i was probably a bit too new to running to yep. really understand all that stuff so yeah i didn't use that but in the definitely in the, the lead up to gold coast i did uh, i had some idea of yep. where i was at where you were gonna go all right perfect segue gold, <laughs> gold coast 2018 so this is when you really brought home the bacon and yeah uh, cracked through the three hour barrier 
not just by a little bit. It was, <laughs> must have been by four or five yeah, minutes. Yeah, 2.56. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. 2.56. And came home, I think I did run a sub four minute K in the, la- in the, Very impressive. the 42nd K. <laughs> so so nice I was, one. I did come home quite strong. And um, So tell me about, the, the, just tell me a little bit about Gold Coast Marathon because I haven't been up there. Lisa's been up there yeah. a lot to run either the half or the 10K yeah. and she loves it. Like, oh, yeah. Just in terms of an event and the course. Oh, and... it's a great event. Like the the atmosphere at the event was fantastic, and yeah, I, I, as far as an event organisation is goes, yeah. it's probably one of the better ones I've been to. Weather wise, it was pretty humid mm-hmm. um, and pretty warm compared to Ballarat yeah. in July. <laughs> How warm was it? I think it was around the twenty mark, so yeah, okay. twenty twenty one. Yeah. But it was I was very lucky. We got a day that was cloudy so yep. the sun wasn't beating on it but it was yeah. it was humid it was near 100% humidity so wow lots of people suffered in yep. that humidity on on the day this year and well, last year and so why didn't you well I'm not sure <laughs> I think it was I think it was a few things that yep. I did during the race that yep. really helped me in terms of hydration okay. so all right um, I'm gonna get to yeah. that <laughs> I won't, I won't <laughs> skip ahead too far because <laughs> yeah, I've got my little diagram here. <laughs> you'll, rem- you'll remember these from from Fed Uni, <laughs> got my little mind map. Brian's <laughs> diagram written on a piece of cardboard. That's right, the cardboard this there. time. It used to be like pink sheets of paper. <laughs> it's like when you see a builder that uh, writes their list on a piece of scrap wood yep. on the building site. That That's pretty Brian's much it. just yeah. pulled his bit of cardboard off her. That's right. <laughs> it's actually off my new range hood that I've been trying to install today. So, <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't get it installed, but it served a useful purpose nonetheless. <laughs> Okay, all right. So your Gold Coast campaign, just talk me through a little bit and then we'll just a little bit about your training and your mileage um, and then we'll sort of circle back and actually talk about the actual race itself and, yeah. and your fueling and all of those yeah. good, all that good stuff. So <laughs> so mileage-wise, I, I remember you commenting to me afterwards that you really kind of knuckled down and, and, yeah. and ran some more Ks, like... How many Ks did you run? Yeah. Um, how often and for how long? Yeah. So it really got, it was sort of started in early November of 2017. So after I'd yep. run the Melbourne Half Marathon, and yep. I ran a PB that day of 83, 83.59. Which is super fast. Um, for the Half Marathon. And that was off a very inconsistent training block. I yep. hadn't done a hell of a lot, and I'd really got out there in training and ran enough in training to make myself confident that maybe if I go out at, at PB pace and see how I hang on and I managed to hang on that day but afterwards I again talking to Julian Spence so the the moose the, the wise man <laughs> the week after yep. and, and I said oh, I think the next goal is um, a three-hour marathon and yep. he actually said well with the time you ran on the weekend you could probably do it anytime soon so yeah um, he gave me the belief that I could do it. And from that moment, I decided I think I needed some consistency. So I started working in six-week blocks. So I did six weeks at 60Ks a week, then six weeks at 70, 70Ks a week, and, and so on. That was, was that running every day or six No, it wasn't. Six it was probably, probably closer to five, uh, five or six days a week. Yeah. I just I wrote myself not so much a plan, but it was mm. more of a routine. Yep. So on you know Monday morning, I'm going to run. 
Tuesday yeah. evening I'm going to run. And so I, I knew during the week when I was going to run and that was what I was going to do. So yeah. it was more so that routine. I'm a bit of a creature of habit that yeah. way. So You're um, not the only one. <laughs> yeah. So rather than yeah. just sporadically going out and running, I had, yeah, that, yeah. had that routine in place. You so had a plan. I'm shocked. It was a, <laughs> <laughs> it was a plan to yeah. just to keep myself and maybe get some consistency. So okay. that over the course of sort of a good three or four blocks of six weeks, yeah, yeah. I managed to get myself up to 100k weeks. Yeah. Um, so you did spend about three months or so getting up to 100. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It took me quite some time. So yeah. was that mostly fairly steady running yeah. through that three months? Lots of it was very easy running. Many sessions through that period no. or just, just getting Ks? I'm not the best at doing sessions, okay. especially if I'm by myself. So <laughs> more recently I've yeah. started doing sessions with a group of guys yep. that I know that are getting back into their running and love their yep. sessions. So cool. um, more recently, I'm doing more sessions on a Tuesday evening, which yep. I might talk about yep. later. But. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to get to your future goals. At <laughs> but just coming back to that, that, those that sort of three-month block, let's call that your aerobic base building period yeah. for yeah. argument's sake. Yeah. And were you tracking your heart rate through that period no. at all? No, I wasn't yep. tracking heart rate. I was just getting out and running regularly and yep. being consistent and keep, yep. more so keeping track of mileage. So yep. okay. trying to make sure I had hit that, you know, that range of, say that 60K range or 70K okay. range. And So how fast um, were you running on average? Oh, were you tracking that? No. Not really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I've got <laughs> it. Well, I'd be able to look back on yeah. Strava or okay. Garmin Connect and have a look at it, but yep. okay. I, was, I wasn't running quick. When you say you weren't running quick, it's, <laughs> it's for you. So I was probably more around the four forty-five okay. mark, four forty-five. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. do, which I think, given given the performance that you achieve, I would yeah. have, I would probably be pretty confident in saying that you're running within your aerobic yeah. threshold yeah. for most of that yeah. time. Yeah, um, and I do have a couple of running yeah. groups that I go to during the week that are more like five fifteens, yep. which serve as really nice recovery runs for me. <laughs> nice, nice quite one. often have to remind myself when I'm out on these runs that there's yep. people there that are just happy to be running yep. for, for 60 minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and at what, 5.15, they're probably maxing out. So Yeah, well, that's me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but 5.15, I would need a little walking break after <laughs> doing that for a while. Okay, all right, so that's good. So there's a big block of three months essentially so mm. what did that sort of bring you up to march april yeah, march april yeah and, and i ran the geelong half marathon when that was probably early april last okay. year so that was that was off the back of that base that period block. and i was yep. probably i'd probably was hitting 90ks a week in the lead up to the geelong yep. half marathon um, so you're running 90Ks and then you ran a super fast time. You I went sub 80, didn't you? I ran you? my PB of 119.46 or something like that. Super fast. So 79 minutes. 79.46. So All right. And I, and I must admit, I punched that into the um, <laughs> Fetch Everyone Marathon Prediction Calculator <laughs> earlier today. And it actually, I think it actually spat out either... 254 or 255 that's pretty good pretty pretty accurate (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i was thinking oh gee i wonder what campbell's halftime because i knew it was fast would would sort of translate in terms of what he actually ended up doing at gold coast so i reckon i'll have to give them a tick at least for you that's um, very good isn't it on on that as a prediction predicted time and And that was still that was three months 10 or 12 12 weeks 12 weeks yeah yeah and must have given you a huge amount of confidence it did Yeah. yeah Yeah, it did. And um, 
going. I was more going off the old. What is it? The double your half time and add seven or something yep. like that. And so that was getting me around the two forty seven mark at that stage. And I'm going. Yeah, that's a bit quick for me to aim for. Yeah. And we know that's kind and of based, based on our research. Yeah, now, that's probably not the best yeah. method, especially yeah. if you're a bloke. Yeah. And I had to keep. <laughs> I had to keep reminding myself that my yeah. goal was three hours, and, yep. and that I needed to make sure I reached that goal because otherwise that would be hanging over my head. And yeah, you know, if I ran within myself but met that goal, yeah, then I've got future marathons to try and attempt the, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> the inevitable. I like it. <laughs> All right, so okay, so walk me through your kind of ten or eleven week block or whatever it was leading up to to Gold Coast. What did what did you do during that period? Was there was there any marathon specific sessions or? Yeah. So at, at post Geelong half marathon, I went into about yeah a good eight weeks of yeah. 100k weeks in back to back eight um, weeks yeah so every week 100ks yeah yeah still lots of lots of jogging lots of easy running the odd session here and there i was doing treadmill sessions oh, so okay. interesting um, it was it was around the time at april that was around the time of the commonwealth games marathon when callum hawkins Fell over. Fell over in the heat. <laughs> yeah. And it terrified terrified me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and yeah. I was actually teaching my year eleven PE class about heat acclimatization. Yep. And one of the strategies that they suggest is treadmills in, in warm environments. Okay. So, so where, was, were you, where were you on I was the treadmill? Off, I was off to the aquatic centre in Ballarat. Ah, okay. And it's probably a it's a pretty yep. well controlled environment, yep. twenty one, twenty two degrees. Yeah. So I was doing a intervals on a mm. intervals on a treadmill so i wasn't just yep. jogging because that would be boring as batshit yes yes and yes. um so when i asked you why you didn't fall over this was maybe one of the reasons why <laughs> could have been done, done the acclimatization and, so and it might have been was it is that because i've been in a few gyms that are near pools and often there's a bit of humidity that kind yeah, of moves was, through the building i is would that, sweat yeah so i'd get off these tre- this treadmill and i would be drenched in sweat yep. and my treadmill would be drenched in sweat and okay. it would look absolutely disgusting excellent <laughs> and I was sure there was people yeah. around me looking at me going what the hell is this guy doing yeah um, but I was I'd get on the treadmill and I might yep. do some some five minute reps or ten minute yep. reps that I was dialing it down to four minute pace yep um, sometimes even 345 pace if I was feeling mighty good which was about half marathon pace so doing those yeah those longer longer tempos on the treadmill sweating yep. it out that's good. I'll tell you what, the curriculum's improved a bit since I was in year 11 <laughs> PE class because I don't remember covering yeah. heat acclimatization. That was, that was when we covered <laughs> thermoregulation and oh, how the body wow. responds to increased core temperature. So, yeah. yeah. So, I've, yeah, I'm really interested in yeah. that because especially with some of these kind of extreme weather events that have mm. happened around big marathons or other endurance events recently and like whether it's really hot or really cold, they're just yeah. your body just seems to respond yeah. In quite a similar way, so talk talk me through that. I just imagine I'm a year eleven student. Well, I had <laughs> I had one of these incredible teacher moments because okay. it just was the the planets aligned and we were it was school holidays when the Commonwealth Games was on and week one I was due to mm. teach my year elevens about thermoregulation. So yep. week one of term two, so I'm like Callan Hawkins. That's the yeah. perfect case the perfect study. case study for us to use. And mm. so using some some footage that I found on the internet and yep. You know, getting them to engaging them through that, that visual of the video Fantastic. and getting them to, to watch that. <laughs> Listen to Bruce McAvaney uh, going off commentate, his yeah, <laughs> the excitement there and yeah. and yeah, 
it really got them engaged in that that idea and so then we really started to delve into some of the things that could have gone wrong so the idea that when you dehydrate body your body starts to well it it stops producing sweat because you've Mm. you've got that fluid um, you've run out you've run out of fluid to sweat and so then your core body temperature spikes dramatically because one of the reasons why we're so successful is as species is our, our ability to cool down, yeah. which is yeah. regulate which our is, temperature, which is why our, our poor dogs yeah. are just panting like crazy because yeah. the only way they can regulate their temperature is, is panting because yeah. they don't sweat and yeah. they're covered in fur, whereas yeah. us we're yeah. covered in sweat glands yeah. and we get nice and cool yeah. when we when we can cool off. And I think that the key takeaway that we got out of it was that the body will prioritize survival over performance. So yeah. Calm Hawkins had pushed himself to the point where the body didn't stop him he was probably gonna push himself to the point where he was going to do some serious damage yeah not that he was potentially going to die but you know worse that would be the worst case scenario and his body said no i'm not gonna yeah. i'm not gonna let you do that to yeah. yourself so and his central governor kicked yeah in. his central nervous <laughs> system kicked in and stopped yeah. him literally stopped him from yeah. from running because he'd reached the point where if he did any if he went any further he was going to do some serious damage. So, yep. And that's the key theory of thermoregulation is that your body will prioritise survival over performance. Mm-hmm. So just in terms of some other physiology around just being really, I mean, you know, when you exercise, your body heats up. I think yep. most people would be relatively on top of that. And usually yep. the harder you go, the, yep. hotter you, yeah. the hotter you get. And probably the time where you notice that the most almost is like if you maybe go into the gym and really kind of smash it out and yeah. lift something really heavy like yeah. you get quite hot yeah, get hot quick really quick yeah. and so you know hawkins with his pretty aggressive pacing strategy in that mm. event i mean I, I i didn't actually watch that but i was just some of the commentary after i think he was on sort of sub 210 yeah. pace for most of that yeah. and Given the field that he was in, yes, and, he, and his quality as a runner, <laughs> probably I'm didn't not, need to be running. I'm not that sure fast. he needed to do that. He probably yeah, could yeah. have sat with them and kicked yep. to the end. But so, yeah. so by running faster, his body gets yeah. hotter, yeah, and you know, he's burning more glycogen. Yeah, know, yeah. all of that, all of that mm. um, increased blood flow. Just a whole, yeah, just whole a whole cascading yeah. series of. Yeah. triple whammies that... yeah. and as you dehydrate your um, blood volume volume decreases because yep. your plasma decreases yep. and then your heart rate has, uh, heart has to work harder yeah so heart, your heart rate, rate increases yep. your blood gets because your blood gets thicker so it's yep. more pressure on the heart all it's all these it's bad. It is bad i've got a really good visit <laughs> video i'll share with you okay that, great that a guy that a youtube clip that a guy actually explains the the multi-dimensional um, fatigue that occurred yeah. um, to calm hawkins I reckon you'd find it really interesting. I, I would, I yeah. would. But I can tell you one thing that is for sure, I would have quit a lot sooner than, <laughs> than Callum Hawkins. So you, I think you've got to be... Most runners are a little yeah. bit different and a little bit special. Yeah. And you know, I put myself in that category. But if you, when you go to the elite end of the yeah. spectrum, they're, they're even a little bit more different and yeah. they're able to really hurt mm. themselves yeah. to a level that you know, mere mortals yeah. like us... <laughs> would probably not want to well, do yeah I, I just it's hard to fathom how they can manage to run that quick for that yeah. period of time so you were you were scared of becoming Callum Hawkins so you yeah. acclimatized beautifully to the heat in the lead up yeah. to Gold Coast put the things I teach into practice you did you did well done well done if only I could do that uh, so did you do any of those kind of like you've mentioned 
Julian Spence a couple of times and yeah, he's, yeah. I've listened to a lot of his kind of marathon specific yeah. sessions. Did you kind of do any of those in the lead up to into Gold Coast? Like, you know, kicking it down off the back yeah. end of long runs or doing some marathon pace yeah. reps at the end of long runs? A like, couple of times I, yeah. I did. I um, There was one day I went out and did a 21k with a group called the Tan Clan in Ballarat who mm-hmm. is quite big. You're probably aware of them. Yep. Um, and then we managed to ro- arrive back just in time for park run. So I decided, oh, I've done 21Ks. I might yep. go down and do a five-minute rep at four-minute pace or something like that yep. in park run. So I jogged down the park run and, and did that. Was that the day that I was volunteering or not? No, no I think that was, after. After. that was after. That was after. That was the day I ran. Yeah, yeah. Ah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll circle back on that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was probably my first mm. real thoughts of oh, yeah. I'll just fatigue myself a bit and yep. then go and run a a marathon paced workout and I, I yep. didn't really know what pace I was running during that park run I just sort yep. of got to a comfortable pace and it turned out to, that I ran like 2001 or something yep. that day nice one um, four minute k yeah, yeah after having done 22 or 23 k's already how did you recover after that it was pretty good because after yep. after that I even did a couple of laps around the lake and, and got my run, the duration of that run out to three hours. So I managed yeah, I ran thirty nine okay. ran thirty nine Ks on that day in the three hours and, and I recovered really well. And that yeah. was Was that your longest run? Yeah. Yeah. That was, okay. And that was also during the period of time when I was doing the, the double runs on the on the long run day. So Ah, okay. All right. I well even, tell me about that. So doubles were you yeah. doing that only one day a week or multiple days i think i built up to a couple of days i was yep. definitely doing a wednesday double so yep. a morning on a wednesday and running company on the wednesday night and so definitely we, in the morning what sort of how many kilometers were you doing in the morning roughly? the morning on the wednesday i'll go to a group on a wednesday morning and we yep. do we do hills around the ballarat north area so yeah anyone who's familiar with ballarat ballarat yes. north would understand there are some hills extremely there. hilly yeah. hilly <laughs> okay. area so yeah. we would we would quite often do hill repeats and things yep. like that. Cover about ten to eleven k's in yep. in, an, in an hour. So and then you go to run club on Wednesday and then I'd night. Go to running club, do another ten. Another ten. At that yeah. stage, they were probably doing six or seven. Okay. Now, they're, now they're doing ten. So you're probably doing ten k. Yeah. Probably ten miles or yeah, sixteen up to, to twenty k's. Yeah, sixteen to twenty k's on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. Yep. Um, so that's good. So that's like yeah. a good midweek long yeah. run kind of volume broken up across mm. two and then. On the weekends, I was whether it was a Saturday or Sunday, I'd yeah. do my long run in the morning and do my. It was generally about a thirty-minute, very slow. Yeah, take the dog out for a jog. Yeah, okay, um, relaxed so, kind of a run. So somewhere between five and six-minute k yeah. pace, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. So very easy and more so focused on technique. Yeah. So thinking, right. I'm pretty fatigued. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and make sure that my my technique. Yeah. When I'm fatigued fatigued holds up yep. so maybe developing a bit of muscle memory and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know movement patterns that are going to hold yep. up at the back end of a marathon and keep me yep. strong so okay then on average through as you mentioned what was it eight weeks of 100ks a week on average on that sort of sunday or saturday double run how many k's were you mm. getting out i'd probably I'd definitely be doing about six k's in the, the second run yep. was, it was always around six k's and then up to 39 um, in the... Yeah, up to 39. There was a couple yeah. of 39s I did, so... So there were a few um, weeks where you're doing more than marathon distance. Yeah. Yeah, on, about 45Ks yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. on a Sunday, which... It's pretty full on. <laughs> that is very full on. <laughs> but I live to tell yeah. the story. You did, um, yeah. Uh, I did do another 
marathon specific session yeah closer well it was about three or four weeks out and i did 20 i think it was about 24 25k solid so about two hours worth okay and then did some 15 minute reps in vic park in ballarat using my new shoes because i need to get them i need to give them a bit of a run okay so i did some i did did an hour's worth of uh, work if I forget, remind me to circle back around on shoes because that's on my list. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. So marathon specific sessions. Okay. Did so, a couple, but yeah, you did a, yeah. did a few. But it was a lot of my running. My long runs were mainly just mileage, just mileage, yep. time on your feet, gradually building from ninety minutes through to two hours, two fifteen, yep. up towards three hours. So yeah, and there'd be times where I'd just get out and run for three hours and do. 36 k's or something like that so you didn't really push beyond three hours in one single bout okay no more i didn't want to i didn't think i needed to do any more than three hours sounds (laughs) sounds reasonable to me (laughs) (laughs) all right okay so there's the sessions let's move into the taper Mm. so we did a whole episode on tapering in season one and there's lots of different models for approaching this and obviously there's lots of different things that work for different people so what did you do it was really a matter of not so much the first, so I did a two-week taper. Mm-hmm. The first week was not so much dropping the frequency. It was more so making those runs a little bit shorter, yep. a little bit lower intensity. So I was still probably running five to six times a days of the week, but yep. just not as far, not as intense. Suppose. So, so you yeah, dropped your volume down. Yeah, dropped the volume down. I think some of the models have been looking at were like, you know, go to 70% of your volume in week one and then drop it down to 50 or something like that. I didn't particularly think too hard about it. Didn't think of that. That was probably good. (laughs) I just sort of, you know, dropped a few things out and and wanted to just have my body start to feel really good. Drop your double run? Yeah, drop some double. The double (laughs) runs dropped out. Yeah. And the the long run, that long Sunday run was reduced. Reduced. How much did you reduce it by in the taper period? I think the first week I dropped it down to 90 minutes and then yep. dropped it down to an hour. Yep. And then the, the second week of the taper, it was the last week of school and we yeah, you know, busy yeah. and things going on. So I, I'm not a, I can't even remember what I did for my taper, but it, okay. it dropped pretty markedly. Not much in yeah. race week? No, not a lot in race week at okay. all. Did you do anything? There's a couple of things that I have seen and you know even tried in the last build-up. Yeah where you would do like, you know, 10 minutes or something at marathon pace like two or three days before. No, I didn't do any, didn't of, do that. any of that. Just, no. just jogging, just yep. some really easy, easy yep. running. It's probably a good idea. I regret that session now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even do like a, a few people, you know, they travel up mm. to the Gold Coast and they'll do something on the Saturday, but I didn't, yep. didn't do anything. Okay. Um, so when, so you didn't run on Saturday, yeah. races on Sunday. What about Friday? Did you run on Friday? Yeah, I ran about half an hour on the Friday morning. Yep. Yeah, just okay. a nice loosen up before I was about to go to work and then jump on a plane. <laughs> okay, so what did you eat the night before and for breakfast? The night before we went out to it, we found a, a bit of an Italian restaurant, so mm-hmm. pizza and pasta. Pizza so, and pasta. So you did yeah. the carb load? The carb load, yeah. yeah okay. And yeah. I can't remember whether I had a glass of red. Mm. I, I've always had this thing where I've... I've had a glass of red wine the night yep. before a race, and it seems to have you know, I kept on running PBs yeah, yeah, after yeah. doing it. And so, I think I might have had a, had one glass of red wine. I don't know. Oh, good strategy. I can't good, remember. It's good for your digestion. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> and I can't put my yep. finger on it whether I actually did or not yeah, yeah. in the lead up to this. But. I actually just listened today to Pat Carroll. I don't know if you know yeah. Pat Carroll. Yeah. He's obviously big yeah. up in the Gold Coast Marathon. That form, he's, I think he's the fourth fastest Australian marathon runner ever. He ran a 209 <laughs> back in the day. So he's running around with Deke and yeah. Mona and those kind of people. But he was describing what he ate before he ran his PB of 209 and I, th- I think he had something similar to yeah. you and two glasses of wine and two glasses yeah. of wine right <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there is something in that so mm. have a glass of wine the yeah. night before yeah a glass of red just nice and relaxed yeah help you sleep did you sleep well the night before uh, I'm a bad sleeper so. yeah I was probably had a little bit of trouble getting to sleep once yeah. I was asleep I was alright okay that's good um, but I was up early yeah like, how early yeah. Probably five, four, yeah. four thirty-five o'clock. What time's the race start? The race then? starts like seven-ish. Okay. The half marathon starts at yeah, it's really early, it's like yeah. six o'clock or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, we were. I remember we were at the start line, and I think it might have been. I think the start might have been about ten past seven or quarter yep. past seven. And I was thinking the winner of the half marathon would have been finished. Yeah. So I was wondering who'd won the. I was thinking, I was like, <laughs> I wonder who'd won the half marathon. Like. There were some pretty good runners out there. I was wondering yeah. what, what time they were going to run. But yeah, good work. It was good to keep my mind off it. So what did you, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> I just had some toast. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of toast. Um, Vegemite? Um, peanut butter? Peanut butter it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Granny toast, peanut butter, maybe two pieces and a cup of tea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a. It's almost, I remember listening to Steve Monaghetti interviews, and he used to describe having a couple of bits of Vegemite on toast yeah. with a cup of tea before yeah. marathons. Very, very basic. Yeah, yeah. Just enough to make me feel not, not hungry. I suppose yeah. there would be nothing worse than feeling like you really wanted to eat some food. Yeah. Mm. You don't want to feel hungry because then you're yeah. starting to panic already about I'm running sure. out of running out of petrol. Yeah. I'm sure you've been on those runs where you've you've stepped out the door and you've gone, oh, I can't wait for this to finish so yeah. I can. Have something to eat. That's something to eat. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. All right, so that's good. That's a really good build up. So talk me through the race. I'm sure this is probably fairly still clear in your yeah, mind because it's not that long it's ago. Somewhat clear, yeah. yeah. Um, so how how did you how did you approach the the first ten k? The first ten k. Well, I'll even go back further. I probably yep. I, I start. I remember the the first memory I clearly have is about the two k mark and. I remember feeling a bit of sweat, sweat bead down my back, and and it's probably a good thing I was very aware of yep. my body and what was happening, and mm-hmm. and when I felt that bit of sweat, I was like, mm, mm. okay, let's be mindful of hydration today. Yeah, 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 let's yeah, yeah. let's not be silly. Yeah. And I do remember I was with the three hour pacing pacing group, mm-hmm. and the pacer was talking about what his strategy was going to be because he said, if we go out too fast, you'll sweat too much early, yeah. and you'll blow up and so yeah i was mindful of that right from the start so about probably two or three k's in i stuck with that three hour pacer and i remember the first drink station and i saw is that five k about five k's and i don't think i managed to get my they caught me by surprise and i didn't see it till late so i couldn't get across it but i had a look at it and so i had little bottles of water that you could screw the lid off on so i thought to myself oh maybe next one i'll just grab a bottle and carry it for a bit so yeah. that way i get some water in and, yep. and manage to nice get one. plenty in and then it was the 6k mark i reckon yeah we were renee was waiting for me so where our our accommodation was was sort of right on the 6k mark of the yep. right on surface paradise there and she was waiting for me with some some sports drink that i'd yep. put together 
because in the Gold Coast, unless you're, a, I think, unless you're an elite, yeah, you can't have your personalised drinks. <laughs> um, that is one good thing about yeah. Melbourne. You get yeah. the three personal drink stations. Yeah. So I had yeah. her at the six k mark, and then it was back again at the twenty six k mark. So I had a drink. So what did she give you? It was like a, a pop top with Endura that Endura hydration okay. mix in it. So two hundred and fifty mils of that. Okay. So you mixed it up yourself. Mixed it up yeah. myself. And I trained with that a little bit yeah. just to practice to make sure it wasn't going to mess with my guts. Yeah. Um, and it didn't? No, it didn't. <laughs> good work. Um, so that was really good, I think. Mm-hmm. Getting that in at the 6K mark, it was better mm-hmm. to get it in early than too late because, yeah. again, when you come back to that de- dehydration aspect, that once you're dehydrated, the only way to come back from that is to stop. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, we don't want to stop in a marathon. No. You want no. to make sure that you get more hydration in early so that you don't dehydrate. So then after that point, I really just started to... I found someone, a guy to talk to, just a random bloke. I was just yep. running along for it probably until probably the 10K mark. And yep. we were just chatting and he was, it was his first time doing his doing a marathon. And he was wanting to break three hours. And yep. yeah, we were chatting about 5K times and no. he had a pretty handy 5K time. Right, I think okay. he was sub 17 <laughs> very handy yeah. yeah it was i was having a good chat to him which is good to take your mind off everything and just so important in just, 20, 2017 i talked to a guy i reckon for the first 18k no no not the first probably from about 10k through to 25 yeah. so i had about 15ks of just chatting to someone who was good to talk to yeah. and it's really does help just float float along mm. you're not really thinking about the pace we probably got a touch quick yeah, maybe we were sort of sitting on that four fifteen k pace. Yep. Which were you still with the was, pacer, or you? No, I was ahead of the pacer. Ahead. I was ahead of the pacer at that stage. When did you start going ahead of the pacer? Probably it was probably straight after the six k mark. Okay, after I got All my right. drink, we yep. managed to. I, you know, whenever you see someone, you know, you get a bit of a burst of speed. And I think I might have had a little, <laughs> got a little bit excited yeah, and yeah. got a little bit ahead of the pacer. But yep. um, as that turned out, it was probably not, didn't affect me too. You much. must have been feeling pretty good. Anyway. I was feeling pretty good, yeah. and then. The next thing I remember was I actually spotted a cafe that I wanted to have breakfast at later in the week. So okay. nice I'm running along and I'm, I'm going, I looked at this cafe and it was, there was people everywhere. And I thought, ah, oh, it must be popular. Well, I'll remember that and we'll go there later in the week. So it was a very nice cafe. It was about the 16K mark yep. of the marathon. So Very good. So to be in that frame of mind where I wasn't really too focused or yep. i was just relaxed i think yeah, you're I think still taking was, in your surroundings yeah, enjoying myself and not getting too yep. too carried away i forgot um, to ask you this but what did you have on your watch face i had funnily enough i had it buzzing every kilometer yeah yeah and i had yeah. um so, it was, your, so you knew what your pace was yeah, it was total distance and total time and okay. and i think it was average pace so it's yep. just the, that standard watch face so you didn't know what your heart rate was or no, anything. I didn't know what yeah. my heart rate was. I don't think I didn't even wear my heart rate monitor. Okay. But the when I look back at the data the wrist the wrist based yep. did take a pretty good reading. So yep. that was pretty good. So what, what sort of heart rate were you on in the <sighs> first ten K do you remember? Probably around one oh, fifties. Yeah. And yeah, it built over time. But yep. yeah, as fatigue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you're in the one fifties early that's pretty relaxed for you that's yeah. actually that's actually aerobic yeah for you because we forgot to mention that you're a bit younger than me so yeah <laughs> 31 31 yes <laughs> so there's a good chance that you were running within your aerobic threshold mm. in that in those early phases of the marathon which yeah 
which I, on, on reflection, I just think that's probably just the way that you should run a marathon yeah. is like make sure you're aerobic yeah. as long as you possibly can just be. Just trying to be comfortable mm. and post that 16K mark, I really just tried to find people to yeah that were running at a good pace to follow tag, on to. Ta- tag along to. And I yeah. think I followed a couple who clearly one of them was getting paced by the other so yeah. I could see that he was doing a pacing job for maybe his wife or someone yeah, like that okay. they were both had these yellow shirts on I thought oh, okay I'll just they were doing a pretty good pace and I was pretty happy with that I'm just going to sit here and follow along and just let them set the pace so I don't have to worry about it yeah. um, so what did you get to the half in it was about 89 minutes so yeah, yeah pretty well on that three hour pace yeah. and bit conservative based very, on where you ended up running very conservative <laughs> because I, I ran a much faster second half so what did you that means you ran for the second half 87 87 yeah yeah okay nice that that was really good and I do remember thinking afterwards going I wonder what would have happened if I ran a bit quicker in the first half but you know <laughs> you know you have to remind yeah, yourself yeah. that if I ran 87 in the first half I could have completely blown to pieces and ran yep. a 95 second half and I think it's one of those truisms about whenever you get to the end of a race and you think I could have gone harder at the start you've probably paced it perfectly yeah yeah (laughs) so so it sounds like you did that but yeah that's really good and just talk me through so you know marathons it's not easy it gets hard at a certain point Mm. like when did you really feel like it was starting to get difficult I had a pretty good day. Yeah, <laughs> I never did. Because, um, yeah. I can remember the the effort levels increasing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it never got to the point where I was felt like, oh my God, I just want this to finish. Yeah, yeah. I, and it helped too that I raked in the field pretty quickly. Yeah. So I, I think I was about 360th at halfway. Yeah. And I think I finished about 180th. So yeah. I made nice. up. You're picking up people the whole way. So I kept on getting that positive feedback of running past people. Yeah. So even though it got hard and it felt mm. harder and the effort was increased, it the positive reinforcement of running past everyone makes makes everything feel yeah, much yeah, better. Yeah. yeah. And um, what what about like muscle fatigue and soreness? Did you getting any of that? Or it was just general fatigue. Yeah. There wasn't anything that was standing out to me at any yeah. point in time. So it wasn't like I was had. Quads weren't quads mashed weren't or anything. Banging, no. banged up or anything. Afterwards, they were. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think mm. from the... It was really... I saw it... As I said, I saw Renee at the 26K mark and mm-hmm. I dropped a couple of quick Ks and, and I had that self-awareness still at that point in time to go, hang on. Hold on a bit. 26 Ks is too soon to go. Stay on the couch, Moose yeah, would be saying. Yeah, <laughs> 26Ks is too early. Yeah, it is early. So yeah. then I, I, I really waited and wanted to wait until I crossed back where the start the start line was. Mm. So where you come through over the bridge. Okay. And How far to go is it That's then? about the 30, 33, 32, okay. 33 right. mark. Yeah, it's a good distance yeah. to start driving for the finish. And then I started to gradually ever yep. so gradually increase speed yeah um, i think once i got to the 39 or the 40k mark i really started to Have pick I? up the pace and yep. i think they were getting close i was getting close to four minute pace by that stage yep. so after 33ks i think i was down below that 410 mark yep. around the maybe even some four or fives four sixes and then about about four minutes for the 40th or yep. so okay and then sub four nice one to finish which, off yeah 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 which is a good feeling yeah so good feeling that Absolutely. you can that you can bring it home like that and feel strong nice one so talk me through fueling 
and in addition to you mentioned you had your, your so you got a couple of bottles of Endura. Yeah. Were you taking gels or anything? Or? Yeah, I, I used the the blocks. I'm not a big uh, fan of the yeah. gels. Yeah, um, Lisa's into the blocks. Yeah, the blocks. I, so I just carry a snap block bag with some yep. some blocks in them. I I think I was intending on maybe every seven k's yeah. something like that so i had enough to take i think i had enough to take five or six times if i yeah, needed to okay. but i didn't quite use them all yeah, which was yeah. good um and so i did i stick stuck to that early the seven k's 14 yeah. k's one thing i was noticing was they were giving me a bit of a stitch when i yeah, eat them okay just the digestion but that would go yeah. away pretty quickly so yeah. so next time you probably carry a few less yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, mm. I, I kept. I just tried to keep on doing, sticking to that. Yeah, you know, seven, fourteen, twenty-one. I can't remember exactly how many times I took them, but I was feeling pretty good. Good yeah. work. Good work. And I was more so just. I was. I think I was just taking them for the purpose of that was my plan, mm-hmm. not so much that I was getting tired and needed them. Yeah, yeah. So you must have been pretty pumped when you came over the finish line. So is, is there any good shots of you like with arms in the air? Yeah, there's uh, a, there's a there is a video. <laughs> you, your friend, we're friends on Facebook. There's yeah, a, yeah. There'll be a video somewhere back there. Okay, can, all right. I'll have to go back and have a look yeah, at that. There's a video of me fist pumping my way down the finishing shoot. I reckon um, I'd be I'd be fist pumping if I broke three hours. Was, that's for sure. It was quite funny. Yeah. Renee actually live streamed my finish <laughs> on Facebook, good. so she um had a fair few of my friends in Ballarat yep. watching um, watching me finish and they were oh, that was Charlotte the wonder dog <laughs> she's been smoking again she's got the cough going what, watching, me, watching me finish they were watching my splits and yep. they were getting excited that I was getting faster later yeah, in the marathon yeah, yeah. I think there was a few messages flying around when they were saying that you know, they were quite quite impressed quite excited <laughs> quite yeah, exi- excited by I was excited. I checked up on your results when you were there. I thought, bloody hell, you just smashed it. <laughs> but it was a very, very good feeling. And yeah. um, unlike Melbourne, where I was absolutely demoralized and smashed, yeah. I came out of the finishing shoot and I was I felt really, really good. Yeah. Um, went around to the finishing shoot and had a look and watched a couple of my friends finish and then happened to stand there for a while watching them finish and then decided to walk away and realized... Oh, hang on. <laughs> I'm a bit sore now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of catch up with you. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is race day. I don't think there's anything else I can ask you about that. I'd, I actually, I'd be interested in having a look at your heart rate data if you've got oh, that yeah. at some point. But, yeah. Um, Boy, right. I'm sure there'll be a, just a nice smooth progression. Yeah, just gradually um, built. Good to know you're in that kind of aerobic zone early mm. on. I think I'm going to... First, 2017, that was... I was just a touch above... Yeah but so close to it that it yeah. probably didn't make much of a difference for the first 10K. And yeah. I think in future, no matter yeah. what my preparation or how I'm feeling, I'll just be having a little yeah. check at the heart rate yeah. I'm early not, on. I'm not 100% sure on whether I'm going to use yeah. my heart rate during a marathon yeah. in, in the race, more just go off what I'm feeling at that given yeah, time. Yeah. Because sometimes if my heart rate's low, mm. am I going to say... Okay, I need to pick up the pace here when maybe I shouldn't, <laughs> and it might cause me to do yeah, something yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, look, I'd... so I'm I'm probably more gonna go. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick to feel. What about breath? Do you, do you recall what your breathing rate was like? I just all? tried to get into a rhythm mainly. Yeah. yeah, I can't particularly remember what that was yeah, like, yeah. but just getting into a rhythm and been playing around with the breathing rates and just seeing what's going on with my heart rate yeah. at relative 
yeah. intensities and sort of that four four pattern yeah. seems to be about my aerobic threshold yeah. and so this morning i did a session which was about sort of up to threshold pace and aerobic threshold and i found that yeah three three was actually a good yeah pretty close to where i was starting to get up yeah. to almost dipping into the red zone yeah and if i had to breathe any faster than three three i was basically you know <laughs> heart rate above 160 and, and yeah. into the yeah. into the red room which is where i didn't want to be so yeah, yeah it's, it's good actually because yeah. I, I mean i've been a bit of a slave to my heart rate yeah. as people will know who've listened to the podcast <laughs> but it's nice to know that i've got a couple of other things that i can use mm. to kind of just give me a feel about how hard yeah. i'm working yeah. but yeah i mean i I don't feel like you. I mean, you don't want to necessarily limit yourself by what yeah. your heart rate says, but equally, like I had a bad experience yeah. last year and yeah. if I'd paid attention to the data that I had <laughs> and adjusted really early, yeah. it still wouldn't have been great, but yeah. it might not have been quite as bad as what it was. So. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's, that's a, I digress. So uh, yeah, Lisa and I talked about some of the things like I mentioned the the marathon pace calculator that we plugged your data into and that seemed to be pretty accurate. So those that fetch everyone crowd had a whole range of factors from like, you know, a couple of a couple of thousand data points of different people yeah. who have trained for the marathon. And one of the ones that we talked about was five longest runs adding up to I think hundred miles. Yeah. Was being a, a thing that they associated with, with success. Yeah. Do you reckon that, so that's, that's about 160 odd Ks? 160, say it's 160 Ks. Yeah, I reckon I would have done you. five. If I did, say you do five of 30 or more. Yeah, plus you did doubles. Yeah, you'd, I would have been at least, my five longest runs yep. at least that, yeah. You would have ticked that box for yep. sure. Yeah. Mm, and your training pace was generally pretty, we, like, we don't exactly know, yeah. but we're saying it's probably yeah. mostly aerobic, I reckon. Yeah, yeah um, mainly aerobic. And that was one of the other key factors they mentioned, that yeah. the people who ran slower ended up with a faster um, yeah. marathon result yeah. as well. There's a bunch of other ones, but I forget what they all are now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you've ticked a few of those boxes. So that's good. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is good data for the people chasing yeah. the... The sub, mm. the sub three. Now, shoes. So everyone is obsessed about shoes and I think people are more obsessed about shoes yeah. than what they should be. Um, <laughs> and I know you ended up running in a pair of Nike yeah, shoes. The, the Zoom Flies. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of like the toned down version of the, 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 poor, the poor man. The poor man, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's like working class teacher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the I'm not an elite runner. Not, so not quite prepared to I'd, throw $350 yeah. at a, a pair of running shoes. Yeah, I'm, a, yeah I'm, an, I'm not an elite runner, so I don't think it's yeah. worth me getting a 4%, the 4%. Yes. Um, and I remember during the Geelong Half Marathon storming past Yes, a guy who was wearing the four percent <laughs> said, thinking to myself, uh, "That didn't really help you that much, no, did, you? <laughs> did they?" <laughs> I've got a theory about the four percent. I think it's, I think probably the, it would be more beneficial the faster you are because yeah. it's, because it's got the carbon fiber plate in it. The more force you can put into it, probably the more you're going to get out of it. And obviously, yeah. if you're running faster, you're pushing more through the ground, pushing more force through the ground. So you're probably going to get more out of it. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that I would get anything useful out of, out of wearing them at this point at least. <laughs> but anyway, so you were in the, the, the slightly different version of that, which yeah. I, th 
think does it have a plate in it still? Yeah, they do have a yeah. plate in it. But it doesn't have the, the expensive cushioning, I think, is, a, mm. is that the difference? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure yeah. what, it, what the difference is. I think they've got their React foam yeah. or something that's in there. Yeah. Anyway. Something so, special about them. Yeah. But how, how, did, how did they go? Did you feel like they were different or better than your regular oh, shoes? They definitely protect your body a bit. So yeah. they, they do have a bit more cushioning yeah. in them. They're very thick. So I yeah. actually bought a pair and sent them back because I just felt yeah. that they just felt too weird for they're, me. But... They're very narrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, the extra cushioning meant that mean that you know, my calves didn't get banged up as much yep. and that sort of stuff. So you you do manage to hold it together a bit better. Yeah. Um, they also make your easy pace feel incredibly yep. easy. I remember the first time I strapped them on and decided I'll do some marath- marathon pace stuff and. I think I dropped the 350 yeah. and I've gone, oh, hang on. Yeah, <laughs> I've, got to, yeah, yeah. I've got to learn how to drive these shoes yeah. because, you know, the effort that it was taking to run marathon pace suddenly was a lot easier. So when you run, do you like have a set of mental cues that you use to kind of keep your technique together? Like, What do you think about when, you, when you're running? Uh, <laughs> Not a lot, really. Not a lot. You're one of those <laughs> annoying people that can just run well without thinking about it. <laughs> um, I've been thinking a bit more about making yeah. sure I'm engaging my glutes and stuff when I'm making contact with the ground. But yeah. that's probably more more me making sure that I'm not getting that ITB yeah, syndrome yeah, yeah. and that sort of stuff. So the lack of you know glute activation can lead to that sort of injury yes, correct um so didn't actually have that on my um my mind map but if so i've got time we might just maybe dive into that so you, you told me that you'd you'd actually engaged in a strength and conditioning yeah. program of sorts to, yeah. to try and remedy that yeah so i i did suffer a fair yeah. bit of itb syndrome yeah um, early very early in my running career and it was yeah. probably a bit of an overhang from my footy yeah footy injuries having yeah. had a I had an acl knee reconstruction uh, so having not yeah. fully re- and properly rehabbed from that meant that my left glute was really, really... You had a saggy old man yeah, left glute. I did have a, a saggy <laughs> butt. Um, and, yeah. and it did, no, get, it did get referred to jokingly as my saggy butt injury. Yeah. Um, so I did go to the gym and, and do a lot of general bodyweight activation work. And yeah. um, now I've progressed more into deadlifts and yeah. lunging and... Yeah, step ups and that sort of stuff. Step up with weight with weight on my shoulders and nice. Yeah. So more of that. So now that I've got them activating a bit, now I'm really starting to strengthen them. So how much gym are you doing at the moment? A couple of couple of times a week. Yeah. So I'm trying to. This week's gonna be one. <laughs> Probably because I'm interviewing you now. No. no. <laughs> because I woke up Monday morning and went. Uh, nah. <laughs> have a sleep. In. Well, that, that's smart because I went. Oh, I'm gonna go for a little jog and then. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, if you don't feel, if you're not feeling it, you definitely yeah. better to skip yeah. it. So I'll probably tomorrow morning. I'm due for the gym. I like it. Right. So everything that you learned, if you just think about everything you learned about this sub three hour journey, mm. like, what do you reckon the the key things were that you mm. you've reflected on and thought? Well, those are definitely the things that yeah. helped me versus mm. some of the other ones that might have been yeah. you know a bit more unclear about mm. whether that that were helpful. Yeah. I definitely reckon consistency so yep. that that big marathon or pre-marathon block of aerobic base building um, yeah that's that put me in a position to be able to handle the training and it, i think that really that really paid off the gym work so going to the gym essentially running is a very 
catabolic a catabolic exercise that breaks muscle down, whereas yep. strength and conditioning is building your muscle up. So anabolic, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. um you know it's more so injury prevention than yep than necessarily strength building. Yep. Um, and I think that's important we forget as runners to and recovery to do that strength building. Yeah. Um, I can. I can go to the gym and then go for a, a run in the evening time if I yep. want. I'm not too fatigued by it. So, yep. and I'd probably go back to that that heat acclimatization that I did for mm. the Gold Coast. So, yep. being aware of where I was going to run yep. and where I'm training, and understanding that that's going to be an issue. So, coming from the cold environment of mm. Ballarat to going into the Gold Coast heat, understanding that that was going to be something I need to be aware of and across that, that's a really good point uh, i didn't know that you'd done that so <laughs> very interesting and uh, yeah there's a little, obviously a lot of elite runners think about that because mm. championship races <laughs> always seem to be in hot locations oh. and you know, world so, champs this year in doha or something yeah like i remember yeah. sanae diver when she was interviewed she, yeah. and a couple of times mm. she was talking about she would go to victoria university yeah. and running their heat acclimatization yeah. facility heading into a, yeah. some really good performances mm. in some hot weather there so yeah. it definitely seems to work if you yeah. if you do it and i mean they say trying to be in the environment you know yeah. two or three weeks in advance but we can't yeah, do that, can't do like, that. Yeah. you know i'm not going to take like you've got a full-time job take three weeks <laughs> off work to just to acclimatize so i can run a two-hour 56 marathon no that's if right. i was going to break the world record that would yeah. be a different story but yeah so that heat of heat acclimatization yeah. was a big thing okay i like it and yeah i could i'm going to a gym at the moment essentially a shed so i'm thinking once it yeah. once it's warmer again i can yeah. get in there because I, I went in there and did a workout in some of the recent hot weather we had and i thought geez this yeah. shed is like nearly yeah. 35 degrees so yeah. i wish i have jumped on the treadmill instead of um, lifting weights the other thing the treadmill <laughs> did do is help me avoid some of the ballarat winter ah, yeah that's true <laughs> i yep. do remember a few days where i was on the treadmill running mm-hmm. looking at the window at the rain yeah pummeling against the window yeah and the wind and the, the the cold dreary days so did you um put your treadmill on a little bit of an incline or did you just keep it flat I just kept it flat but yeah use the pace yeah yep. it does help get into a bit of a rhythm as well definitely does yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah. Yep, the metronomical effect yeah some of the uh yeah the north european and uh north american listeners would be well familiar with running on the treadmill <laughs> So whilst we've been basking in the heat up until at least the last few days, they've been stuck in the polar vortex. Yeah. So there's been lots of treadmill running. That, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. And so future goals, like what are you doing? What are you doing now? Are you going to start? Because you've, you've done it a little bit backwards. You went to the marathon yeah. straight up rather yeah. than sort of working your way up, trying yeah. to run fast on the track and yeah. doing road running. And mm. So what are you doing now? At the moment, I'm I'm running probably 70 to 80 Ks a week, yep. um, doing some more sessions. So yep. doing a, a Tuesday night session now, which is more shorter intervals. So mm-hmm. last night we went down and we did eight 500s mm-hmm. um, and we were knocking them out pretty quick pretty quick about 138 <laughs> for 500 so that's around the 316 yeah that's pretty pace. fast so yeah heart um, rate heart rate heart rate was red room yeah <laughs> no, no it wasn't too bad uh, only, the, only the threshold last, the last rep was probably <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah pretty tough but yeah. um mm-hmm. it was also very windy yeah down at lake wintery last night so yeah. it's not the easiest place to run no, that no it's not it's always windy there it's windy and yeah 
yeah, not the best underfoot. You don't get a lot of support or a lot of assistance from the surface. There's no traction. Yeah. <laughs> so we were doing those off 45 minutes rest. So yeah, 45 seconds recovery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that, that was pretty good, but yeah. I'm not very good at doing that by myself. If okay. I didn't have someone there with me, another yeah. couple of guys, I yeah. wouldn't have definitely wouldn't have got through eight last night. Yeah. So I'm doing a bit more speed work. I've been thinking about doing the two mile at the store gift. Oh, um, this year? Yeah, this yeah. year, but I'm not really sure. I really yeah. want to have another crack at the Geelong half marathon, but okay. that's the week before yeah. the store gift. Probably so not probably not gonna I'm gonna have to choose either way. <laughs> yep. Um so Fair I'd enough. like I'd like to have another crack at maybe lowering my half marathon P B yep. at the Geelong half. It seems to be a nice flat yeah. Flat half marathon. And we can put your time back into the yeah. fetch everyone calculator yeah. and work out whether you're going to run 250 or 248 or something. Yeah. And I'd also like to, I yeah. would like to break 18 minutes for the for yeah. park run. Yeah. I did 18.11. That's my PB. Yeah. And that was not long after I'd run Gold Coast. Maybe you should come and run the 5K on the track with Lisa yeah. and I in March. Yeah. So you don't have to be registered in Melbourne Uni. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's about mid-March on a Thursday evening. Yeah. Oh, so maybe we, yeah, maybe yeah, I could. You could. Come and you do could, that. You should, you should a, run under 18. Yeah, on the track, I, yeah. I think I would. Yeah. Um, you have to beat my PB. <laughs> yeah, it was just 17... 17.42. Yeah, I've got to beat that, don't <laughs> you I? You have to beat that. <laughs> there we go. That's the... It's got to give you some incentive. Yeah, maybe I will. It's about the only time I've yeah. got faster than you, so... Yeah. yeah. For now, I'll enjoy that for the next <laughs> month. <laughs> Are you still going to extend that invitation now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't think I'm going to get much faster over five k. I'd say, given I'm now forty four, yeah. but uh, yeah. that would be good fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I might be able. If I can get a few more sessions out, I might be able to maybe break nineteen. Yeah, um, on the track there, mm. and I'll be pretty happy yeah. with that. Might, might even try and get the guys I'm running with to come. Yeah, you should. They've got some good PBs on the track, yep. so they're former former triathletes and get a train also, going. Um, <laughs> also, done a bit of track stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think one of their track, one of their PBs, might be in the high fifteens. Yeah, for okay. the five k, super fast. And the other guys. Well, he's I the pacer. He's, no, he's not the pacer. <laughs> not, not not at the moment. He won't. Oh, really? He won't mind me saying he's that. Out of he's shape. a bit okay. out of shape. Fair he's, enough. Come back from a few years of footy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, enjoyed the, the social aspects of footy. The social aspects. <laughs> the meat pies and beer. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. good. Yeah, but no, you should do that. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good fun. Yeah. Yeah, it'd come be good to do a nice quick 5K. Yeah. Um, come and run on the track. See what I could do. You run a lot faster. Yeah. Ballarat Park Run's obviously not the it's fastest not, course no, going around. So no. I'd say you, you're... What is it, 1811? Yeah, I'd yeah. say that's a sub-18 or E, given the mm. <laughs> tight turnarounds and yeah. hairpin yeah. turns and not great surface in various spots. So. And that was on the that was on the alternate track when they were building the... Yeah, uh, that was even there. worse. Yeah, yeah. And that's you right. Were, you were, I remember seeing you on the, the turnaround points yep. or one of the corners yeah. standing there. <laughs> I thought, gee, Campbell's running really fast quite soon after his, <laughs> after his marathon. I was riding off the wave and, and then... Um, and then I suffered shin splints. Oh, so. <laughs> so how much time did you just have off after it? I not went, enough, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I went into running too quickly right. afterwards. I had the did the the old a day off for every mile that you run. So oh, the 26, yeah. 26 days or something yep. like that. That's not so bad. around. That's around the four week. Mark. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, 
That's more than most of, people do who are obsessed with running. Not doing, yeah. of just jogging. Yep. So I had a week of nothing. Yep. So I did a zero kilometer week the week afterwards. Yep. Smart. <laughs> and then um, and then went into some jogging and then yeah, yeah. happened to be, just start to run too quick. Yeah. I, for some reason, I've got it in my head that if I wanted to run faster over the marathon, I needed to run my long runs a bit quicker uh, than what I was. And right, okay. Yeah. I just got wrapped up in that. And, yep. um, it's easy to do. Yeah. That in, in combination with the fact that I've been roped into playing basketball one night a week. Yeah, uh, that wouldn't help. Yep. That doesn't help. Okay. So, you just um, got to go on and fetch everyone. It says yeah. if you run slower, you run faster. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I was... I happen to be trying to run about twenty k's in, yep. in ninety minutes on my long runs. Oh uh, yeah, it's pretty and pretty. It was a bit speedy. too bit too yep. quick. Yeah. Um, and the shin splints reared their ugly head, and I suffered them for months. Right. Yeah, yeah they're so, a bugger. They're hard to get rid of once you got so them. I'm getting back to some fitness now. Yeah. After having, yeah, I've I've got some consistency going, and yeah, I don't think I've told you this one, but I've actually I think I'm at sixty three or sixty four days in a row of running. Oh my god, you're on a streak. Moment. So I'm That's on a streak. I've got myself on a streak, and so no rest days. Yeah. Okay. The rest days are doing five k's at very very slow. Five k's for dog, dog heart, yeah. low heart rate. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. So okay. I'm using my heart rate now to manage yeah. myself. Cool. Hmm. And next marathon. Next mar- marathon is probably Melbourne, I think. Uh, okay. So not going to go back to Gold Coast? Uh, I don't think so. I've done yeah. the Gold Coast now. I Tick think, that box. I think I'd like to have a, a good go at Melbourne. Good, have a good home marathon. <laughs> Maybe um, have a positive experience Excellent. at Melbourne. Hopefully I can have a positive experience <laughs> at Melbourne as well. Yeah. But so, I'll be there. Yeah, you'll be, I'll there. be there. I won't be running with you, but uh, I'll be there. <laughs> so um, Hopefully it's not hot and windy. Mm. Melbourne can throw up. Yeah. Funny conditions. I might have to do some acclimatization training just in just case. Just in case, yeah. yeah. Maybe I should do that too because mm. you never never really know Cause that, that what it's going to do. That 2016 marathon, it was hot as well. Yeah, yeah. it was. And it was hot like windy. a really hot night the night before. It, yeah. it got everyone everyone by surprise. You know, yeah, having had a taste of that this year and yeah, as we've spoken about, it wasn't really the heat that done, brought me undone, but it wouldn't have helped. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was hot and windy, and yeah, yeah. to get another one of those, it'll be yeah. having done some acclimatization would be good mm. and going out a little bit and easier. Just managing your expectations on the day, I think, and yes. going right today might not be the day. Release, <laughs> release my attachment to the outcome, Campbell. That's... Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Run to the conditions, just, Brian. That's right. Just, just, just have a good experience and yeah. enjoy it. And tick off my third Melbourne Marathon this year. So mm. one step closer to my Spartan Gee, single. I'm going to be one behind you. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I can keep you one behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Might get to one thing. I, I don't think I'll be running faster than you, but maybe I'll get my Spartan single one year before I think you, you will. Yeah. Um, at least. We'll see. At least. But you never know. Anything can happen. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, Campbell, uh, for taking the time to talk us through your sub-three-hour marathon experience. I'm going to try and get a few other people who have done it and probably, I'll get this one out obviously before that, but probably try and edit together, Yeah. you know, try and get half a dozen people who have done it and then just kind of edit together the highlights and try and identify those commonalities you're doing are, a research study. yeah basically doing a mini research <laughs> yeah. research project i don't think don't think my end value is going to be statistically significant maybe though. not maybe not <laughs> whether you've got your ethics approved, I haven't got yeah. any ethics approved so 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> plying you with alcohol is probably not ethical. Yeah, I'm asking you this question. You only drank half yeah, of it. So. I've been talking too much. <laughs> uh, very good. Thanks again. No worries.